Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Wave goodbye to the heat wave. So, heat wave goodbye, if you like. A story from the mirror today. The heat wave comes to a dramatic end today with the weather taking a turn uh, for the worse. But hopefully it won't be too long before it's back. Bit like the pubs. 3,000 pubs opening their doors today. Um, but there's a warning uh, with regards to uh, everybody having to mind their P's and Q's and make sure that, you know, that we don't end up going backwards uh, one step forwards and two step, steps back. But headline in the mirror this morning, in we go, in spent, spelt I-N-N. It's Hurlover. I don't know why they've got a guy uh, holding a hurley with a pint of Guinness on it in the front of the star, but there they have it. After a 497-day lockdown, lovely hurling, I suppose. Uh, footfalls coming home. I just think that's brilliant. Footfalls coming home. Don't you love it? Um, and, of course, there there was a little bit conf- of confusion about uh, the guidelines, the regulations, and the laws with regards to uh, the first day of opening after 497 days. But I clarify a couple of those. There was they were talking over the weekend that every single person's uh, name and phone number and contact details would have to be taken on the door. That's no longer the case now. It's only the lead party. If there's six of you, it's only one for contact tracing. Uh, so the papers today talk of the three thousand pubs and God knows how many restaurants after sixteen months uh, serving indoors. It also, for the first time, it also means the twenty five thousand bar staff will sign off pub and return to work. Uh, But with regards to those that are returning to work, um, many won't open because they just don't have enough staff. And the Independent uh, calls it D-Day arriving. But hospitality faces staff shortages, fake bookings, and all of these cert checklists. Now, I don't know as to whether or not, to be quite honest with you, whether or not the um, the app or the facilities for pubs and restaurants to scan the COVID QR codes have arrived and whether publicans and restaurateurs have them and have access to that system. I wouldn't mind finding out. Uh, but people have been urged to use common sense now and to embrace, embrace the indoor dining and drinking safely. Warning as the pubs reopen uh, is a headline story making the front page of the mail today. And great news for musicians. According to the Irish Times this morning, the Times says that musicians have been told to tune up for an on-stage return within weeks. And musicians have spent over 500 days locked out of work because of COVID restrictions. A safe and controlled return to performing within the coming weeks, which is great news. But as I said, the figure that they're putting on it with regards to those that won't reopen today, uh, pubs and restaurants, is put at 25%. Adrian Cummins says that some businesses won't be able to open today and because they have staff shortages or there's just too much in involved in checking and security or indeed he says that some of them who will open will only open maybe uh, four out of the seven days a week and that's a front page story in this morning's examiner the uh, Irish Times says the government has determined the schools will reopen in September in spite of the uh, Delta variant and the mail this morning talks to uh, Amy O'Dowd in Lanzarote, she's got Murphy's Irish pub and she said herself and all the staff are delighted to see so many Irish tourists returning on Mass, she says they've seen a surge in holiday makers uh, from Ireland. Uh, meanwhile, the examiner says that uh, the town of uh, Crookhaven is all but. 
closed down. The West Cork town has been effectively co- closed for business by the out- an outbreak of COVID. It's so small and tiny, I suppose. The examiner is saying that a staff member at, the, at O'Sullivan's bar tested positive and led to the premises being closed abruptly on Saturday, along with its adjacent shop. And um, also, they're talking about um, uh, you know, uh, and this is rather disturbing because if you ever saw a dog chasing sheep it's a lot more than a playful chase something kicks in in the mind of a dog and it turns from a pet into a predator some you know many dogs when they see sheep i've seen it myself and you can't talk a dog down uh, or at least the ones i've seen in the past you can't call them back they just something clicks i mentioned that because the and i hope i'm pronouncing their name right the unjurer family at the three castle head uh, near Goline have seen a huge amount of people uh, descending upon their land because of the, the uh, two different documentaries that feature Three Castle Head in them. Of course, uh, it was one of the last places that Sophie Toscan de Plantier visited and perhaps was maybe even seen alive. Uh, but hundreds of people are now descending on the farm most days now and they're, they're parking on the Unjurer's land, walking through their fields to visit the 15th century castle. Uh, it's supposed to be spectacular and it's right on the water. Uh, but they're abusing the privilege by bringing dogs and drones onto the sheep farm. Dogs are chasing their sheep off surrounding cliffs, or at least they have been in the past. Imagine that must be chasing the sheep to their death in the past. And the drones are frightening uh, the different protected species of birds uh, that live there. So there's no talking to some people, according to Lucas Ungerer. Uh, when they're challenged with regards to their behavior, people become aggressive. Uh, you get a lot of verbal abuse if you ask someone to go back with their dog or they even got excrement in their post box, apparently. Um, I really feel for them because they're trying to run a farm there. And I suppose there is access to the head and they even allow people to, to park for free. Uh, but that's a story that keeps on giving and the rather unsavory side of the death of uh, Sophie Toscan de Plantier and the fact that it's still an unsolved murder is this, is this spat between Ian Bailey and uh, Sinead O'Connor. I'm not even going to go into it because it just keeps on rolling the back and forth, the he said, she said. But we do know, of course, that um, uh, the guards now have opened a cold case investigation and that will lead to re-interviewing many, many people, apart from those that have died since all of this, um, you know, uh, 25 years ago. But including Ian Bailey, he's likely to be quizzed again, according to this morning's star. Uh, there are a lot of other stories regarding health and welfare today. You know, there, you know the amount of people that go into hospital Let's say if you went into hospital with, um, and I wonder what your thoughts are on this. If you go into hospital with an injury, say a broken leg, and you have to spend time in hospital, and you test positive for COVID-19, um, the health experts have been told to exclude that positive case from the daily case figures if you're not in hospital because of COVID and you're in hospital, say, for instance, for a broken leg. Makes sense to me. I don't know what you guys think of it. But this morning, the Echo is saying that uh, Cork University Hospital is at capacity. Um, and that's a kind of a worry. The CUH is at capacity in the month of July, but they only have two or three patients in there with COVID at the moment. That's a bit scary, isn't it? Considering the hundreds of thousands of uh, outpatient appointments and consultants' appointments and what have you that people are waiting to get done. But there's a lot of lighthearted stuff making the papers today. One of them is apparently, uh, over the whole uh, COVID period, hot tub sales have gone through the roof. They were bubbling along nice. 
you pardon the pun, but apparently demand for outdoor hot tubs has been ludicrously high uh, since, particularly since January. Not just in Ireland, but right across Europe. Because the army people are spending uh, more time at home and what are, what they're getting up to. Uh, also, I love this story that makes the sun. It um, it goes through the history of a Marks and Spencer smoked ham and mustard mayonnaise sandwich, and all of the hoops that it has to go through to get from where it's made in the UK into the European Union, into Ireland, to Patrick Street, and I suppose to Douglas. Now, no disrespect to Marks and Spencer, they make a damn good sandwich, but we make some other great sandwiches in Cork, don't we, that doesn't have to travel across uh, all this red tape that an M&S sandwich has to go through. Apparently, the M&S sandwich has to have four different vets check it um, and 13 different vets from next October. The M&S sandwich has to go through 40,000 pages of paperwork and from October, 120,000 pages. Uh, how, can they, how can they guarantee its freshness after all of that? And another one or two that I love just uh, for now is, you know how memorabilia comes up for sale every now and then? And I know that I talk about it all of the time because it's amazing what you might have in your attic. Like if, for instance, you have the original rules and regulations of, and law of football, um, from 1859. A copy of it, the earliest printed rules of football, has recently sold, sold for 66,500 euro. A 16 page pamphlet print, printed in 1859. And the other one then, with regards to things that came up on, under the hammer, yeah, under the hammers, right, isn't it? Is a tracker. You know, um, sorry, it's a chopper. The chopper bike from Rally. You could get it in red. Or you can get it in blue. I don't remember any other colours, but there may have been others. But it was a copy of the Rally Chopper, and apparently it was called the Tracker. But to me, it just looks like the iconic uh, chopper bike. Except that it was Princess Diana's uh, chopper in the 1970s. And that sold for £24,000. The Neil Prenderville Show. Uh, Wayne Rooney makes the papers for all the wrong reasons again. Uh, he is um, uh, calling in the cops, apparently picture of him in a hotel room with, with three different women. Apparently, he nodded off and they started taking photographs of him when he was asleep. It's uh, pretty upsetting stuff, for uh, certainly for his uh, his family. And then I see in the papers today, they are also talking about uh, all sorts of things to do with what the rules are. And a lot of the papers um, are, are out of date because one rule that changed was the rule with regards to the lead customer. So it's only one, say, for instance, of the six. If you're going for a few pints at tea time and you're going with your mates or six if you're going to dinner. Uh, so that's a little bit of clarification. Uh, the rest of it, I probably will come back to um, throughout the course uh, of the morning because um, much of it has already been discussed. And I think you're fairly clear as to what you can and can't do. Under-18s can go in with the, with the unvaccinated with an adult or a uh, um, an adult guardian uh, and then of course it's all to do with your COVID certificate um, and your QR code but unfortunately a um, lot of negative publicity online over the weekend regarding the city and gatherings in the city on Saturday night. Now I don't know how troublesome it was uh, I would be surprised if there wasn't some kind of argy-bargy in the city over the weekend but I was sent some video footage of uh, Oliver Plunkett Street on Saturday night uh, and it strikes me that it was up around Oliver Plunkett Street in the junction with maybe Marlborough Street 
near the donut shop there. Don't know what the attraction is in that particular area. One would have thought that it would have been further up around the Grand Parade, the Peace Park, Bishop Lucy Park, Kennedy Quay. But in and around Oliver Plunkett Street, uh, the junction with Marlborough Street was absolutely thronged. Um, Sometimes um, you need video to describe how bad it really was with regards to people gathering. But actually, I think in this circumstance, the audio will suffice. That the, that hundreds were milling there. Um, no one was causing any trouble. Everybody seemed to be having a great time. But it's that age group that are now testing positive that are given off all of the warning signs with regards to COVID and indeed the Delta variant. And when I was looking at it, I kind of felt uh, I was disappointed. I have to say, I thought, you know, we're never going to get out of this because that's the age group and that's the cohort that are going to drive the numbers up and drive us back into lockdown. But anyway, Jackie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thanks so much, because you were in town at the weekend. I wasn't, I, I was away. Was dr- just literally driving through. Yeah. I'd been at a friend's house, and like that was bad in Oliver Plunkett Street, all right. But the Grand Parade is a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. I and, suppose and Oliver Plunkett Street is so tight, and the streets are so tight, um, that you just saw people... It looks an awful lot more than what it was. Do you know what no, no, There were tons of them there. Jammed. Because, yeah, yeah but the spill out onto the Grand Parade and the problem with the Grand Parade is it starts at about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock on a Saturday. Youngsters like 16, 17 year olds gathering and drinking and I wouldn't walk across town after 4 o'clock on a Saturday. Not yeah. a hope. Yeah. And then Saturday night there was like with the overspill of crowds and everything and obviously the guards must have driven through and there was a stampede. I'm living in Douglas Street came up Dunbar Street and down Douglas Street and running riot and screaming and roaring like you know and I mean it wasn't just Saturday night this is every Saturday night and I was I was talking to someone last week a guard on a bike was the only guard visible on the Grand Parade now what's he going to do with hundreds of teenagers one guard on, on, a, on, a, on a push bike at what time? No, that was at about um, half eleven at night surely be to God there must like, have been more than that no there wasn't there's not a, the, like the guards the, on the beach, you know, the ones on foot, the, you know, the footpaths, like the guys that walk around. Yeah, on the beach. Like, I, they can't walk down there. They'd get mangled. There should be a few paddy wagons out there, you know. You you believe that the atmosphere is so tense that the guards would be assaulted, is it? I would say that. It's like, you know, it's like a gang mentality vibe going through them, like, you know. You said they ran riot up my way. In, in yeah. were ran they, riot. Were they fighting or running from? Were they no, were they running running from something? Obviously, but then they were shouting and roaring, and there was fights. Obviously, down in George's Key area and things like that. And Did you see any of that? Street. I didn't see the fights because I was actually getting in home. Thanks for the good. But I mean, they, they were passing my window in their droves, and I mean, it wasn't only just Saturday night. This is every Saturday night. You know, a few weeks back there, the guards and all fairness, and they blocked off the, when the run-off came, and they got a few of them trapped in Douglas Street like rats and loaded them into paddy wagons. They yeah. need to have the paddy wagons on the Grand Parade. 
Yeah, I mean, last Saturday week, there was 12 or 13 arrests because there was actually a very, very bad fight, particularly right, involving yeah. a fellow who ended up on the ground and being kicked into the head and stuff like that. I know yeah, that. But these only kids, Neil, you know? Yeah, they're a completely different set to the people who are in town oh, socialising. The people who were down Oliver Plunker Street, they had been drinking, obviously, outside, like, but just enjoying themselves. No, I know it's packed mentality again, like, and... Like it will drive us back. Well, I was reading the comments under the posts on yesterday afternoon, and vast majority of them were very annoyed and very disappointed because, by and large, that age group are unvaccinated. Yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah, but then again, there's a lot of them that are vaccinated. You know, so. But um, you're okay with them, then, are you? I'm not okay with that. But the crowd, no, 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 no. I'm not because. Like last year, if you remember last year when we were, when we came out of lockdown and all these crowds started gathering again, and sure, we were back into lockdown before we knew it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. to be honest with you, I just don't think the country can sustain another lockdown. The Grand Parade uh, is as bad as Oliver Plunkett Street, totally. I know if it were my kids, I'd kill them. Would you really? I'd kill them. Yeah, I, I, if they were my children when they were that age. They Six, what, 16, 17? Yeah, 16, 17. I'd know where they were at that hour anyway. It's a tough on residents in the city then, say around Douglas Street, Dunbar like, there's Street. There's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of elderly people around here and it is tough, like, you know, it is tough. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very hard to frighten me, Neil. It'd be quite hard to frighten me, but, like, I won't walk across town on a Saturday afternoon. Do you think it might? Do you think it might change now that say pubs are open indoors, restaurants are open no, indoors? The weather the is getting parade. a bit wetter. No, not the Grand Parade. I'm telling you, it seems to be a thing. Now they gather there every Saturday from three o'clock on with their bags of cannons and everything. And do you know, with they're regards done. to Ungarda Shikana, do you think if they see any group like that, whether they're behaving themselves or messers, that they should? Move them on if disperse them. Like, yeah, just say lads, move on. You know, it was the same what they did out the lock there a couple of months ago. Like I'm from there originally, and I've an aunt living there, and I know there's an awful lot of elderly people out there. She's never terrorised. I know. You know. I know. I know. I know. So I mean, I it's not fair on people. I mean, and especially for parents, know where your second children are. Like you know what I mean. They don't always tell the truth as to where they're going to go. You oh, know? sure, I know that. I know that. But um, well, if you, I'm telling you now, anybody, at four o'clock on a Saturday, take a drive through Grand Parade, I wouldn't advise anybody to walk through it because I wouldn't walk over the Grand Parade All at right. four o'clock on a okay. Saturday. All right, let's, get, so let's, uh, let's see if anybody else was in town at the weekend. Thank you, Jackie. Thank, Thank you so you much for taking okay, the call. Bye, bye. Cheers. Text 0868104106. Pick it up after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red. FM. Many might say that people should mind their own business while others do is none of anybody's business. You'll recall all of the stuff for the last week. We were talking about uh, the couple in Portugal uh, and others like that when they were claiming the pop and what have you. Maybe the same rule should apply to people who are outdoors socialising with friends. I do know have a, a little bit more information as to why crowds gather in areas like say the, the Oliver Longa Street area near, uh, the junction with Marlborough Street and it has to do with buskers. According to text here it says it's Buskers on the street that uh, kickstart all the rowdiness after the pubs and bars are closed. You see people start singing and dancing and gathering with the buskers. And before you know it, a huge crowd has gathered. That's possibly what could have happened with regards to 
the video footage that I saw uh, from Saturday night. Morning, we're all working through this COVID, but I know builders claiming pop and working the whole time. Uh, the entire thing is a shambles and has been from the start. Giving pop payments to anyone, even students working one day, now giving them a COVID passport. And we were told when we got our vaccines to keep the card because we'd need it in the future. But here we go again. Another piece of paper to keep some other government worker in a job. Countries turned into a joke, ran by politicians only for themselves, claiming their big wages, doing what they're told by Europe. Meanwhile, our fishing is gone. The HSE is in ruins. A social welfare system that's a joke. Free houses, free medical cards for people who do nothing. But it's the hard workers who pay taxes that keep them going. Uh, cut the social welfare, make them work, put the extra money into what is actually needed. Uh, somebody there assuming that everybody on social welfare is a freeloader, and of course that couldn't be a more that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, anybody who goes anywhere, whether it's holidays abroad or anywhere in the country, while on a pop payment. Even the unemployed on a welfare allowance are entitled to go abroad for two weeks of the year. You didn't read that out last week. Well, I didn't, but I'm doing it now. The very same as anyone on the pop payment. Two of the weeks may have been from last year's entitlement and the other two weeks may be from this year's entitlement. That means you can go for four weeks. You need to take a holiday yourself, Neil, and stop worrying about anyone else's doing. Um, Well, give me a break on that one. I never once said that I particularly had an issue with it, uh, but I'm certainly here to facilitate others that possibly do. Lines open on that on 1850-104-106. Back to the phone lines we go. Joanne, good morning. Good morning. Um, You were asking about um, what people thought the weekend. I was in um, the city centre yesterday and there's, um, do you know at the back of the English market when you're looking onto Princess Street from there, there's a laneway to the right of that called Grafton Street. Yes. So a few months ago, I was going down there to go to Bank of Ireland like I was taking a shortcut and I came across heroin needles and I, I rang the city council and there was also an awful stench. There was human waste, stench of urine, everything. So okay, so human excrement, urine, and heroin needles. Well, it's actually there's actually a heroin um, bin there, you know, specific bin for heroin needles, but it's not used. So I went back to see if the council had done anything about it. No, I went to council about that a few times. Anyway, yesterday I was surprised there were setting up dining tables on that laneway, so I walked past the dining tables. And there's a kind of, um, there's a little laneway off that laneway. So it's Grafton Street, it's a tiny little laneway. And there is people down there, you know. So it's it's actually a regular place. It's used for injecting and going to the toilet. Especially, do you know Joyce's, that, that beautiful little toy shop and stationery shop? It's directly at the back of that where the heroin bin is. But are, 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 you so saying that food, that are you saying food is being served there now? Yeah, dining tables. There was dining tables being set up there. I couldn't believe it. Like so, I, I, I like I rang the council about that a few times, and they said they would power wash. Like they were talking about power washing it, and they would collect needles and everything. But I just thought of all places to set up tables. It's a really narrow laneway, so you'd want to do more than yeah. power wash that, though, wouldn't you? You'd want to really. Well, I mean, sanitize it, it, it is. Yeah, but the thing is, there is needles there on a regular basis. Them because I just I just went back to check like if the council had done anything because I just uh, you know it's some of the stuff I've seen down there is disgusting so I avoid it um, now but I so I haven't been down there in a long while so I thought oh maybe they've removed the heroin bin and things have cleaned up but there was heroin litter when I was down there yesterday yeah, I know, I know, so I know, I know. 
Yeah, I just thought it puts um, a new twist on outdoor dining. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope to God they did a lot more than just wash it with water, to be quite honest with you. Oh, no, there was still, when I went down there yesterday past the tables, there was still bad smell. Like it's regularly oh, used man. as a toilet, that area. Right, yeah. so. uh, that's what I mean. Water ain't going to clear that. All right, Joanne, thanks for that. Cheers. Okay, bye. Uh, a lot of texts, actually. Um, some people are describing, I described it as D-Day. Others are saying the D, well, one texture is saying anyway, the D actually should stand not for Deliverance Day today, but um, uh, another D in the shape of Discrimination Day today when we finally get uh, people seriously discriminated, those that have and those that do not have the paperwork. Government are pathetic. This COVID pass and how to scan it should have been organised at the start of the year. Everything is delayed deliberately from day one. Just look at the helplines. They will feel the pain at the next general election. No one should be asked to show that they were vaccinated. And getting stamped yeah, you would get stamped if you went out for a fag or had to move around. Uh, getting stamped, does this not remind people of a certain war? Pubs were getting grants. I don't hear many publicans coming on air. It's mainly the customers. Shame on any business taking part in this medical apartheid today. They should get together and reject all of this nonsense. Uh, lots more like that then. Um, I need. Will I need proof of vaccine for a coffee shop? Yeah, if you go indoors into a coffee shop, you sit down at a table... You gotta have that, uh, you gotta have the COVID search and the QR. Uh, this is a sham. It won't work. It's a, far, a farce, said Podrick. Uh, our youth can't even go to McDonald's or Hillbillies or any fast food restaurant now. They can't even go in and sit down because they don't have a vaccine. They can win with an adult. This government doesn't know what the hell they're doing. They're running businesses into the ground and it's hard to figure out how there are so many experts on COVID, a virus that is relatively new. Well, your experts are virologists. Uh, anyway, vaccines were developed in a matter of months and others saying that the Delta variant is the very last hurdle we need to jump. If they didn't know Delta was coming, how did they know it's the last? They have us where they want us now. Mission accomplished. Anyway, uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Let me get an idea as to what the day is going to be like indoors in uh, in pubs and restaurants across the country. But more importantly for us here on Lee Side, Chris Crowley is the manager of the Anglers, which uh, is not just a a super pub but also a gastro pub with terrific outdoor facilities that they put in some time back and I guess now we'll be able to incorporate the indoors as well. Uh, or maybe not. Chris, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You've decided not to open indoors. We have for now, yes, we have for now. Um, You're not alone in this. No, there's a, there's a lot of doing it as well. Um, I suppose there are a few reasons for it, but yeah, we've decided not to. Not for the moment, anyway. Um, can we just maybe look at a few of the reasons? Is it staffing? Is it just too much involved in the checking process? Yes, to both. Um, there are a few others as well, but I suppose mostly it's it's for our team. What we found here over the last year and a half, now we're nearly out of the year and a half, is um, just, we'd say Saturday morning to be ready for nine o'clock this morning is near on impossible. It's not fair on my team, it's not fair on the customers, it's not fair on us, it's not fair on anybody, you know. And not even 48 hours to be ready with the fixture guidelines. But um, in what like way is it not fair on the customers? When you say it's not fair on the customers, are those the, co- are those the customers that don't have a cert, is it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, look, whatever the guidelines are, we, we'll, we'll abide by them. So take the guidelines aside. But just in terms of 
the treatment of our customers and our staff and things like that. Like, I wouldn't. Even, I didn't even get to read the guidelines until Saturday night, till about one in the morning, when I started to read them properly. Um, and then I'm expected to brief, train, move everything, get everybody ready, and be open for Monday morning at nine o'clock to be standing at the door telling people, you know, have you a passport? Have you a passport? You know, just for us, it was just yeah. If you had two or three weeks to plan for that, then fair enough. And if everybody got used to the idea, and if everybody could understand the guidelines properly. So this is this is a step too far because uh, up until now you've had to insist on a mask. Up until now you've been taking. Have you been doing contact tracing your details? Mobile your contact. Yeah, you've been doing all that sanitizing, uh, having extra staff on, you know, to to make sure that we can sanitize as much as possible, and just to make it a comfortable experience. And for us. If we were to open inside today, given the fact that we just got the guidelines at the weekend, it wouldn't have been a comfortable experience. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. for me, you know. Um, and look, everybody has the right to go inside and out, and everybody has the right to be vaccinated and not vaccinated. It's not, it's not even about that. It's not about the guidelines that are put on us fully. Um, it's about how they're delivered and the time frames they're delivered. It was the same at Christmas when we locked down. You know, the day before we were we were locked down for six months, and we found out the day before properly. You know, huge cost to the business with waste and, and everything and lost a lot of our staff coming back. And so, again, for us, it's about the information when we're getting it and when we're expected to implement it, you know. And, uh, and, and I know you're not going to open, but was there any movement over the weekend as to what, what tech would have been used to scan somebody's QR code? Um, yeah, well, again, just reading through what the vintner sent out to us, it, it seems to, there's no app as such, but there's a website that I would have had to download on my phone. I not don't know, but I would have to click on my phone and work my way through then as people were, were coming in at the door. So again, that's another person that you have to have on site on Monday morning just doing that job, you know, and to find out on Saturday morning that you needed to do that. Um, but surely that one staff member dedicated to that alone is worth it considering the business you would drum up indoors from it. And what I found, like we drum up business here pretty well anyway, so I suppose we'd be, we'd be pretty busy all the time. Um, but what I found, especially from the, the bookings that I saw coming through, and they all come through me, is um, that most people wanted to be outside anyway. Yeah. You know, yeah. A table of four, but only one of us is vaccinated, or only three of us are vaccinated, and that was that was putting a lot of stress on us as well. You know, because it's like moving chess pieces, and anybody that's in the restaurant business knows, you know, it's, it's when you're when you're moving tables around, it's it, it can be quite stressful, especially when you're busy. So again, like that, what I found is the majority of people wanted to be outside anyway. Um, so why spread and split and so again like there were many reasons why we decided not to open so and one of the reasons was you'd have the people who were unvaccinated or didn't have a cert outdoors and the vaccinated are those with the cert indoors and that doesn't yeah, sit well with yeah. you not, not well, yeah we're very uncomfortable with that you know very uncomfortable with that and how long are you going to remain just outdoors um, I don't know is the honest answer because again this has only been a couple of days and we're working managers as well, you know, so it's, you need time to think and plan and prepare. So I'm, I'm starting now this morning, I'll take a good look at them, I'll see what we can do, what we can't do. Um, but I think luckily, and I, I look at those other colleagues in the industry that aren't as lucky as us, I suppose, in terms of what we can offer. So because you've got a very large outdoor offering and it's top class. Yeah, but we're not in, you, we're you, not in a, dire, um, a dire situation where we have to reopen our business so we can trade away nicely here for the moment and give ourselves time to and again just to see what way the water settles over the next couple of days as well in the next week and how people are feeling about it and, and what, what our customers want as well I suppose at the end of the day it's about them what they want and my staff I need to make sure that like my staff are working extremely hard here for the last five or six weeks and then to 
And, that, and a lot of that stuff wouldn't have a COVID cert themselves and wouldn't be vaccinated yeah, exactly. themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's some of us are and some of us aren't, you know, like everywhere else. Um, but yeah, look, for me, it's all about comf- being, people being comfortable in their environments and that just didn't sit comfortable with us here in the Angles. Do, you, know? do, you, do you live with the fear of what happened, say, for instance, in Crookhaven over the weekend or in Barry's on, on Thursday where a staff member tested positive and they had to literally shut? Um. Look, obviously, I don't want any of my team to get it, but look, there are, there are protocols around it as well in terms of close contact. Just because we're all working together doesn't necessarily mean we'd be classed as close contact in certain areas of the business, you know? So yeah. I'd be worried, of course, in that, but look, we can all live in worry or we can just keep going and deal with things as they happen as opposed to, and plan that they don't, but if they do, then have a reaction to that. But there's no fear. We don't have time for fear. Busy. You still there, Chris? No, not there, but that's fine. I was coming to a close anyway. So there you have an example of uh, the anglers who have decided not to open indoors today. Uh, Benny McCabe was one of the first out of the blocks when he said he wasn't opening any of his pubs or any of his establishments uh, indoors for the foreseeable future. Uh, there are other businesses, uh, there were other businesses, incidentally, that uh, will stay closed, including Cafe Bia in Canturk, Takeaway and Outdoor Only, Ayers. We are opposed to the idea of a two-tier society, they said. Kelly's Bar and Cove, uh, staying close to indoors business. Um, and maybe, maybe Kelly's Bar doesn't have an outdoor. Maybe they're just staying closed. Scoozies. We at Scoozies have made the decision not to open indoor dining under the current guidelines in place at present. We will be continuing as usual with outdoor dining until the majority of our younger staff have been offered vaccination. Teddo's Tapas. On Princess Street, uh, not opening for indoor. Flannery's and Glasheen, in the interest of public safety and staff safety, we are staying closed. Fred Zeppelin's, 497 days since we opened, but we will not treat people like second-class citizens, so we won't be open until we can serve everyone. Uh, I don't think you could put it as clearly as, uh, as that. I mean, it's just right on the money. We will not treat people like second-class citizens, they say, we won't be open until we can serve everyone. And another business that will stay closed indoors, uh, the Tavern in East Ferry. And that's just the list I have to hand. Um, lines open at 1-850-104-106. If you don't mind, I'll come back to your calls just after these. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Neil, don't be cutting me. The only reason the pubs are staying closed is because they're getting more money from the government to remain shut. And that text 0868 uh, Back to the phone lines we go. Holly, good morning. Morning. In a former life, you yourself were a publican. Would you fancy being one That's now? Correct. Yeah, would you fancy Jesus being one Christ. now? If I got a thousand euros a day off of you to run the boardwalk, I'd say put it into a charity box. Oh my God Almighty, I right? know. Could you imagine going through it now? Yeah. There's uh-huh. a few points I went to put a crash in there, Neil. Yeah. Right? As you know, I was being a publican for over two and a half decades, right? Yeah. I've met lovely customers. I've known lovely customers. And for me to ask them for ID, phone number, and name, known them for over two decades, right? No. Talk to them, enjoy the crack with them. What an embarrassment that's going to be. But you wouldn't have no. to ask a regular for photo ID. You'd know them. Yes, Neil, you do. Yes. I know, but you, you wouldn't. Like, you know, in rural Ireland, they, the publicans won't do that. You know what but I mean? The thing is, if the girls walk and then they, they check, 
or if the health safety walk in the check, what happens? Ah, you might have to. You might have to see if they have a cert or not. Yeah, but you won't have to ask but them for. That, that's an embarrassment, right? Well, the that, other thing yeah. is right. You said to the chap there in the the anglers, the, the anglers. That's probably, yeah. If he got one member of the staff. That the profits would, you know, you'd make it back in the profits. I was just saying, because I was wondering about the, they give a, a rebuttal argument that they'd have to put somebody on the door to check everything. And I'm just making yeah. the point, surely that designated staff member would um, yeah. would be worth it, considering how much money they'd make indoors. Well, understandable, but how long is that individual going to stand on the door? From half 10 at opening time to half 11 at night? Let's be honest about it. Well, that, yeah, well, I mean, that could be, I don't, I don't know, maybe that would be maybe to, to <laughs> sh- shift or something. Thought, like, if you, if you want to put staff at different times, that's going to cost you money. Do you know? But listen. It, it's, 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 more, it's more about asking um, the customers, you know, for personal information, really, isn't it? That's what... Right. Let's, let's just say, right, you go in, <clears throat> you must wear a face mask. Then... When you're seated, you take the face mask off. There's no bar service, right? Yeah. There is no, there's only one way in and one way out. There's no back entrance, right? So, therefore, you have no ventilation in one part of the premises, right? Now, what I'm going to say to you is that this government, right, there's one of them that cycles to work, right? Yeah. He might as well cycle down to Port McGee and throw the bike in over the sea because all he's worried about is climate change. He doesn't give two hoots about COVID, right? The other fella, I, I won't tell you what he does, but Michal Martin, when he's powdered up, he's like a little baby, right? <clears throat> They're actually suffering from a multitude of disarranged ideas. They haven't got a clue, right? How else no, are we going to get? How else are we going to get uh, society reopened, businesses I'll going, you, and the economy? I'll tell you, listen, I'll tell you how. We lived with polio, we lived with cancer, right? And we have to live with COVID, right? So my thing is, right? Build extra hospitals instead of giving all the money abroad, millions abroad to the hungry and all that. Charity begins at home, right? Okay? And the other thing is, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, but even that sidebar, that comes with its other complications. That is staffing these hospitals, trying to get the people to work in these hospitals, trying to get the medics. There's a report out this morning saying that hundreds of recently qualified Irish yeah. doctors have been offered lucrative contracts in um, the Middle East, the Far East, right. Australia, America and Canada. So you've got these huge hospitals, but no why medics can't, in Why can't we match those? Good answer. Yeah, good answer. Good Listen, answer. we can't, but the other thing is, right? Live, okay, so you're saying we need to learn to live with this. Yeah, and the other thing is, right, one before I go. Do you remember that song there? Hello, Mary Lou, goodbye heart. <laughs> Mary Lou, I'm falling in love with you. <laughs> and she's the person that will get my number one <laughs> in the next general election. Neil, All right, thank bye. you very much right. for your time. All right, Holly, and take care. Thank, keep safe. 
You too, pal. Let me do some texts and emails on this. I think some of them are actually Mary Lou related like this one. If the government said it was Friday, Mary Lou MacDonald would print a special calendar just to say it was Saturday. To be fair, the government has done all they can in these times to keep people alive. Her party would give free houses, free medical and anything else to get a vote. Paying for it would break the country, let alone get the six counties back, which would cost billions to run. I've never voted in my life as I didn't believe in any of them. But after everything that has happened in the last 18 months, I will vote for either government party as I'm very proud and very impressed with what they have done. Mary Lou and her party, Sinn Féin, would simply ruin the country. And just one or two more, just to note that maybe you could share in the morning the digital cert uh, the digital COVID cert helpline. I haven't received mine despite being fully vaccinated in early June. I have flights and hotels booked and paid for this Thursday. I spent two hours on hold with the helpline yesterday, uh, but this would have been Friday morning. Once I got through, the first thing I did was give them my mobile number and ask them to please take note just in case after the long wait, we were disconnected. One minute into the live call, they hung up or the line disconnected. I'm guessing the former. They hung up. Nobody called me back. If I don't get the cert, I lose my vacation time, my hotel and my flight. It's an absolute joke. Here I am again now, on hold again, on the same line. Actually, I I have experience of this myself because I'm, I'm personally trying to fix um, the COVID cert and QR that I was sent because my Christian name is spelt with two L's. My surname is an extra R in it. And I'm reliably informed that if I ever try and go anywhere, whether it's here or overseas or ever try and get on an airplane or into or out of a foreign country, um, I'd be in big trouble with a surname and a Christian name both spelt wrong. I don't know how true that is. Apparently, it has to be spelt exactly like it is on your passport and on those ba- on those bases alone. I've also been on hold. And if if you haven't been on hold, this is what will absolutely wreck your head. Not to mention the computerized American voice saying, your call is important to us. This. I know it all. So if you don't have to call it, you're very lucky because that's what you hear over and over again, like a 15-second snatch. Um, and it's actually called My Time to Fly Again. <laughs> Could they not have come up with a better tune? Could they not have come up with something Irish to begin with? Um, so that's now playing... Uh, somewhere in this building on my phone again since half past eight this morning. In fact, it's probably inside with the lads. Have you got it there? Uh, open your mic there. Just for curiosity. We have, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, one second there, no. Oh, that's Shames' phone. One second. Yeah, one hour, 19 minutes. Put her up to the old microphone there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm getting delirious. I think it sounds like Santa Claus is coming to town. How long is it playing now on my phone? Uh, nearly one hour and 20 minutes. <laughs> I'm so sorry. The reason that it's in there is we're trialling just how long it will actually take for somebody to answer the phone, right? It sounds as if you're stuck in an elevator, doesn't it? <laughs> and every what? 10, 20 seconds, Mrs. Woman comes on, is it? 
yeah, your call is important accident. to us. Please hold. Is your head wrecked from it? Oh, stop. I'm actually great. I just want to get out of this elevator. <laughs> <laughs> what will happen after the two-hour mark, Shea Machine? Will you get cut off, like? I'd say they'll be what they call draining the swamp in call centre language, and they'll be dumping all the calls so they can go for lunch. <laughs> Your call is very important to us and will be answered in the order it was received. Not not so important she'll answer it. <laughs> well, uh, hang on, no, Neil. It is the HSE, so what's their uh, waiting time? No, I don't, play, I don't blame any single... <laughs> I don't blame any single worker in the call centres because it's not their fault. There just no, isn't just, enough of them. Yeah, I know, but I'm just wondering what the waiting list is. <laughs> what would you do if she answers? I don't know. <laughs> I'll check in with you in an hour. Lines open at one 850 Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Referencing West Cork there a while ago, as they say, West Cork. West Cork. I live in West Cork. Some of the staff in the public houses in my particular village uh, I live in have stopped wearing their masks. And kitchen staff don't bother anymore. They're preparing and I assuming sweating a lot. Maybe sneezing. <laughs> God, don't talk about that. Uh, sweating, sneezing and coughing. And again, unexpectedly while serving food and drinks uh, without a mask. So I'd like to know what's the legal obligation or guidelines on these lovely hardworking guys and gals in the industry. Uh, when I asked or pushed the question as to why they're not wearing the masks with the guilty proprietor or indeed the staff members, I've been met, met with the following. I don't have to wear a mask. Why do you ask? The law says I don't have to. Or the most famous of all, mind your own business. It's no concern of yours. But I am concerned. I wonder what your loyal rebel listeners think. Corkaboo, thanks in advance, uh, says Mike. So many restaurants aren't opening um, as they say that they don't want to discriminate with the vaccine passport, you tell me. Well, I have to say, come off the stage. The reason the majority of these restaurants aren't opening is because they don't have the staff. That's all it is. This excuse that they don't want to ask for vaccine passports, etc., is a load of tosh. If they weren't getting government support, would they stay closed then? Not a hope. I'm here in the UK and all the support has been taken away from us. So we have no choice but to get on with things. And for those attacking the restaurants that do open, shame on ye. It says Linda by email to neil at redfm.ie. Text on that. Text 0868104106 and we'll pick it up after 10. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Morning all. Can I just mention this for those of you that are traveling around the country or, you know, maybe you've got a bucket list of things that you're doing with the family and the kids. So this is a text that said just uh, to give you a warning to your listeners about parking, particularly around the Phoenix Park in Dublin. We're on holidays at the moment. The first time anywhere as a family since COVID began two years ago. So think of that. This is a family from Cork. First holiday break in two years and they're travelling around Ireland and at one stage it took them during the week to Dublin to Dublin Zoo uh, the first day out we parked as close to the zoo as we could Phoenix Park the area was full of families coming and going we returned to where our car was parked after the day at the zoo to find it had been stolen we have three small children everything gone car contents the lot now we're stuck with no car 
no car seats, nothing. Uh, please let people know to be so careful. We later found out from the guards that there's not one camera in the whole of the Phoenix Park. We would never have parked there if we knew that. These criminals are experts. They watch absolutely everything and everyone. I just wouldn't want any other family to go through what we went through this week. And that would have been uh, a text that I got in at the back end of the week. So I don't know what happened since that text was saying it certainly spoiled your holiday. Not just that section of it, but it's hard to recover from that if you're traveling around the country without any wheels. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on one 106 And talking of traveling and visiting places, Sam, good morning. Good morning, how are you? I'm good. Are you camping at the moment? Yes, yes. Okay, where, where are you? Inch Beach. How long in, have you been there? Uh, since last night. Okay, and what did you see? A massive pile of rubbish. <laughs> um, I have a photograph of it here. Is, is there no bin there? No, there isn't a bin, but there is a sign telling people to take their rubbish home with them. Uh, this is the East Cork Inch Beach we're referring to. Yeah. For there are a few. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So has it was it very, very busy then? Oh, it was madness. There was no parking at all. Like the road was literally covered in cars last night. Um, and what time did you take this photograph at? Uh, about eight p.m. And the crazy thing about it is, people dump all of their stuff um, at signs where it says no dumping. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Can you describe what they left? Oh, there's everything. There's beer bottles, wine bottles, food, um, a camping chair, an umbrella, um, a lot of bin bags full of food. Why don't they take it home? I don't know, but it's going to be there a while, I think. Like, it's still there now. Um, yeah. I don't know if the council's going to come and get it or whatever. It's ultimately, be ultimately, they will. I think maybe beach days are behind us for a while now, but I wonder, is that a regular occurrence at beaches, you know? I'd, yeah, I'd say so. It, there's a lot. And there's still rubbish on the beach as well. What kind of rubbish on the beach? Like empty bottles, um, food packages, packets of crisps and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You enjoying it other than that? Yeah, it's lovely. Very what's, nice. What's the water like? I've not been in. <laughs> <laughs> Are you working up the courage or what? Oh, no, I'll go in before I go home. Yeah, I'll go for a quick dip. <laughs> How long are you going to stay there? Oh, I'm leaving soon. Well, it was just an live, overnight, I was live, it? Yeah, I live like two seconds away. Okay, I wonder were there parties there or was it just just regular no, beach visitors? It was just like families and big groups of people. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. That's the worst I've seen in a long time, the photographs that you send me, particularly the fact that they put it next to a sign that says, leave no trace, leave no litter. Yeah. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's just going to draw all the rats to the beach. I know, I know. All right, listen, thanks for that. Enjoy your swim whenever you decide to get in, all right? <laughs> thanks. Cheers, take Bye. care. I'm uh, sure that it's safe there. Um, listen, with regards to uh, the today and the changes today, whether you believe it to be Deliverance Day or Discrimination Day, uh, today's the day when a photo ID will be required, they're saying, from a lead party member only. Now, I don't know how many restaurants and pubs will actually ask you for a second form of ID. They're supposed to ask you for a second form of ID to check it against your COVID cert. Maybe that's one of the reasons why publicans are saying, listen, I'm not getting involved in this. I'm not asking people these kind of questions. But everything else is still in play. Well, the only thing that's gone that used to be 
there before was the 105 minute uh, rule that's scrapped but you still have the meterage between tables whether there's a child there or not there's they're saying two meters if there's children at the table one meter if there's no children there's a limit to six adults a table half past 11 closing time uh, QR scanning at the door the QR scan apparently is a downloadable uh, scanner that uh, publicans and restaurateurs can get on the HSE website. I'm sure I'm not forgetting anything. If you want to go overseas, of course, there are problems with the passport office. Just wanted to vent about how ridiculous this country is and how badly the passport system is run. I hope this information will help someone else. And please hold the negative comments on travel because we're all entitled to a holiday. I applied for my one-year-old son passport nine weeks ago, just a few days after we booked a holiday, once we found out that we could fly overseas on the 19th. Well, we fly out this week and are still waiting on the passport with no sign of it coming. I know you're going to say I'm not the only one going through this. I have literally tried everything to get his passport on time. The passport offices are closed. Application tracking says documentation is pending and was due, according to the tracker, to arrive on the 13th of July. No phone lines are open in the passport office. I tried for the emergency passport online two weeks ago. I contacted TDs who were extremely helpful but can only do so much. They contacted foreign affairs to be told unless I have proof of emergency travel then I'm not a priority. Never mind the losing of all of the money on flights of accommodation. I also contacted Aer Lingus. I was on hold for four hours. They finally told me not to stress he can travel within Europe with his birth cert. I never knew that, that a child can travel on a birth cert. When I asked, could I have this in writing, I was told they can't give written correspondence. So I was told to email general inquiries and I did that a week ago. They also told me for reassurance to get on to the Spanish embassy <laughs> about birth cert travel for minors. They uh, No, they don't accept birth cert for travel when I contacted them. Is it any wonder that Heather says I'm exhausted and anxious about turning up at the airport and being sent home? Has anyone been in a situation as bad as mine? This country is a joke uh, by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie. Talking about uh, waiting times, right? Have a listen to this. Noreen, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Thanks for taking time out this morning. You're angry, disappointed. What happened at the weekend? Yeah, I I just want to make it clear that I'm, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I do genuinely believe that COVID is real, but I just think that it's taking over people and situations to an extent where it's actually kind of getting dangerous that people aren't being seen medically wise my son woke at uh, approximately 12 o'clock on Saturday night early Sunday morning severe temperature, coughing I got an awful fright um, my other son suffers with croup I've never seen croup develop like that as quickly rang for an ambulance the gentleman was very nice on the phone, did everything perfect. I asked him how long I was going to be waiting. He said, there is approximately 15 people ahead of you and you're going to be waiting a few hours, which I in turn turned around and said, you're telling me that I can't get an ambulance for my child when he's difficulty breathing because he was getting upset. And he said, I'm really sorry if there's anything changes or he starts developing severe 
severe breathing difficulties, please ring us and we will try and get one out to you as soon as possible. Now, now when you heard three and a half hours, did you not think of plan B, like driving them to the A&D or getting a taxi or some other plan? I did, but with having knowledge of Kroof, I knew that I could settle him down. It was just the initial fright that I got when he woke. And in the end, I actually knew exactly what was going to happen. Once he calmed down from crying, the coughing ceased. I got the temperature down. He fell back to sleep approximately quarter to three, between quarter to three and quarter past three. I rang the ambulance. Um, department and cancelled the ambulance. The gentleman, it was the same gentleman who actually was speaking to me and he said under, like, really, really nicely, we really appreciate you ringing us back. Thank you so much. And that was the end of it. I rang South Doc yesterday to try and get my son steroids, which is what they give you for croup. I rang and booked this COVID test because I knew that they wouldn't even see him without getting a negative test. And I was told under no circumstances, even without getting the test results back, could they even prescribe anything for him. So I took him for the test. Still, he's one. He's, what is he? He's 13 months old. He's 13 months old. And this is the second test that he's after having to get. 13 months old children. And needs a COVID test to get seen by South Dock. They wouldn't even see him without the negative test. They wouldn't see him yesterday. And the doctor that I was speaking to yesterday turned around to me and said, we can't even prescribe him anything. You're going to have to wait until your own doctor opens tomorrow. So from... 12 o'clock Saturday night, Sunday morning till half past eight this morning, he went completely unseen and unmedically attended. Okay, here, here, are, two, here are two things I'm picking up from your conversation and, and, uh, and I hope that he's, he's settled now. But one he is, is, one he is, is at half past... my own doctor sent steroids straight to the chemist. Do you, do you have any concern about giving a 13-month baby steroids? No, I don't okay. because okay. My, my elder son who happens to be autistic, suffers with croup as well. And croup is, it's the best way to treat it. Okay, with okay. steroids. So on Saturday I, I, night... I no issue in, in, in giving the baby steroids to, to help him okay. if needed. All right, I'll be coming back to steroids in, in, in a few minutes' time, but this is steroids amongst the, amongst the um, adult population. But yeah, So at half past so 12... I wouldn't give him anything like that, but they, with, with my son, I know that this is the only thing okay, that Okay, at half past 12 on Saturday night, when you rang... 112 or 999, whatever you yeah. called, you were told there were 15 people ahead of you waiting yeah. for ambulances. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That sounds very, very scary to me. It uh, does, and that's, that's what my... No, my, no, my no, no, there wouldn't be, there wouldn't have been, there wouldn't have been 15 heart attacks waiting for an ambulance, surely. Doubtful, doubtful. I, I can't see that. Obviously, it was a very busy night. I understand that the medical department here is very understaffed. But do, but when they say 15 waiting for an ambulance do they prioritise the importance of the cause or something? That no I couldn't tell you. I don't work so in could the it be, ambulance. Could it, it could be 15 be very very serious people with serious problems? Yeah, def- I would presume it's like when you're in the hospital okay. that they prioritise the more serious to the less serious cases. But and they said that there would be and, and for, for you and the others there would be a three and a half hour wait well that's not what he said he said that there would be a few hours by the time I actually rang and cancelled there hours. had been no ambulance 
okay. in those three hour time slots. Okay. But Thank- when I was speaking to him, as I said, he, he did say that they were very busy. I just think COVID is taking over to an extent where it's becoming dangerous now. Huh? Okay, so let's deal with that point. Why why is it becoming dangerous? Because you have to get a COVID test for a one-year-old baby? Exactly. This is the second time in less than four weeks that I've had to get a 13-month-old, any mother, father, medical professional, will know that a child at about 13 months is suffering with teething. Teething can bring on coughing, uh, temperatures, runny nose, rashes, severe dirty nappies. And he had to get a COVID test the last time and it was his teeth. But he had to wait for a negative result just to be seen, to be told that it was his teeth. It's, it's, yeah, I know what you're it, saying. Yeah, I'm not saying that COVID isn't real and my that's not what I'm saying. I just think now that it's it's taking over in a way that could be dangerous to people that are genuinely sick or genuinely need, i.e. people that are in hospital needing treatments that have been cancelled due to COVID. I just think that it's getting to a point now where people have to kind of step back and say, look... 90,000 people are waiting hospital appointments in Cork. 15,000 of them are children. Exactly. Do you know, it, it's it's if you can't get your 13-month-old seen now without having a negative COVID test, what's it going to be like in another but six, are they wor- seven months? Are they wor- yeah, that's why Holly was saying before 10, we need to learn to live with this, he said. But exactly. maybe their exactly. concern is that your 12 or 13-month-old is a spreader. Well, I understand that and I do get that. But at the end of the day as well, your your first parently instinct, motherly instinct, fatherly instinct is that my child needs to be seen. And I know you can't turn around and say, I know it isn't COVID because the Delta variant and the different symptoms that people come to hospital with and things like that. I understand that. But I just think it's it's hindering other things. Everything now. else. It, yes, it, It's yes. hindering everything. Yes. And for you to be able to get your child an antibiotic and have to wait 24 hours, where now my own doctor said this morning, it's probably gone into his chest that he did need the steroid and he does probably need an antibiotic if the steroid doesn't work. He could have been seen Saturday night. Okay, maybe not Saturday night because I did cancel it. I didn't, I wasn't waiting any longer. Yes, I know. But even yesterday yeah. by the South Doc, you, that they couldn't even prescribe stuff that they know that will help croup until he had a negative test it's just ludicrous. And how easy is it to get a 13-month-old a COVID test? Well, yesterday morning, I went online at 8 o'clock yesterday morning. I booked the test. An adult has to book the test for a child under 16. And he was tested by half as one yesterday afternoon Where? in Blackpool. Okay, okay. In, in what? Is that in a, by a GP? Is that, uh, or is it in a clinic? It was in the COVID test centre in Blackpool that okay. used to be by the planet. It's by the planet, what used to be okay. the planet. Does that cost you, did that cost you money? No. Okay. No. Okay. No. Okay. No. I just wanted to bring it to light. I know everyone, like, as I said, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm not anti-COVID. I was absolutely petrified of this disease when it came out last year. I didn't leave the house. I didn't see anybody. But just in recent months with everything, it seems that there's a different agenda there now. When you look at other countries and how things are going with other countries, it just, it seems ludicrous to me that I couldn't, that it literally took... 48 hours to get my child seen. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. How is he now, Noreen? 
he's he's really good now. He's 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 after one dose of steroids and he's pottering around the place now yeah. like an old man. So he's he's good now. But children get sick um, and yeah, it has nothing it. to do with that's COVID. There is a, you that's, know, that's, that's a parallel that's world. Yeah, I know. And I know. and and that's, your, your child can't even get sick with a sore finger and they need to go and get a COVID test before they can be seen. Okay, thanks for that. Corina Sadler, actually, uh, who is a consultant in infectious diseases at the CUH, makes the front of this morning's echo. Uh, Cork consultant warning that as the incidence of COVID rises, and with the health system already under pressure, people need to do all they can to lessen the surge that's coming and that is expected in the coming weeks with regards to the Delta variant. But very worryingly, um, she said, CUH is at capacity, but they only have two or three patients in with COVID in the CUH. So the rest of the capacity taking up the CUH is all other business. So what happens if there is a surge? I mean... Two or three patients in the CUH with COVID is less than tiny. Um, so that that's kind of worrying to be at capacity now. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Can I just say a bit like the um, the two different one eight hundreds that are there for the uh, COVID uh, hotlines, you know, for the cert and whatever. Nobody really is blaming any of the staff for those that are working flat to the mat. Like nobody is blaming ambulances. Uh, Texter here says ambulances are trying their best. Um, of course they are, and nobody's talking about the paramedics. It's not a case of the paramedics. Nor if somebody's critical of a healthcare system, are they? critical of the staff it's the system uh, that uh, that exists is the problem that's why i think it's quite worrying that somebody would uh, would say that there are 15 people ahead of you for an ambulance and it's it's reasonable to ask could that potentially be 15 heart attacks that's all i'm asking i'm not talking about the paramedics but a system that is created where that can happen on a on a saturday night um okay l- listen talking about about um say for instance saturdays I want to talk to John Morgan, who recently wrote this beautiful piece about his own childhood uh, as a Northside child. And it's a, a very different town or a very different city centre to, say, um, the city centre that was described earlier in the, on the air just after nine when it comes to a late Saturday afternoon in Cork City or indeed Saturday night. It's a very, very different place indeed. I want to chat to him about that because I love when people reminisce about uh, the days of their own childhood, you know, and visits to town, which would have been quite an exciting thing and a quite an exciting time. So we'll be coming back to that and uh, chat with John. Uh, a lot of people, you know, were in touch after we did the lovely piece on Spangle Hill Forever with uh, Rocky Stone because it invoked and brought back an awful lot of wonderful, wonderful memories. But just one or two emails ahead of that, if you don't mind. And a big, big response to what we did recently with regards to weddings and people's wedding plans being totally up in the air. One or two of the of the emails that really struck out struck out to me include these ones like my husband is a chef in a hotel and his owners are so upset. They have people flying in from the Caribbean and other overseas places for weddings. One particular one is a wedding for 100 people and the people from overseas are quarantining. But now they have to tell them that they can't come uh, because it's staying at 50. Even the owner of a hotel is upset for the wedding couple. What I don't understand is that they can all stay in the hotel. 200 of them can have breakfast together, served by unvaccinated staff with unvaccinated kids. None of this makes sense. It's just the government trying to hold on to control. 
they've clearly lost their tiny minds. So that's a very good example, actually. And, and I'll tell you another reason why it's a good example in a second. So you can have all of them at breakfast in the hotel, but not at the actual wedding later that day in the hotel. Um, and I came across a, a hotel at the weekend where they had decided not to open indoors. So they wouldn't be opening their restaurant indoors. They wouldn't be opening their substantial bar indoors. And one thing that was lost to me was one of the reasons why. They said we would then have the bar full of the hotel guests who are not vaccinated, don't need to be vaccinated, don't get any questions about it. Yet there would be residents of the hotel in the large bar with people who are in there with COVID certs and QR codes. And that in itself is a complete and utter nonsense. Um, so that's the reason why I say that um, that um, uh, email or at least that text jumped out to me. Um, a lot of people outside of the family and close friends don't even want to go to big weddings. You never mention that. It's about the marriage and what lies ahead. I'll probably get slaughtered for saying this, but I think people have got majorly carried away with the whole wedding thing. And this is coming from someone who is happily married. And then one final one. There are thousands of couples who have had to cut their numbers over the last 18 months. Why is it such a big deal? Are these couples looking for a wedding or are they looking to get married? There are two different priorities here. Surely potential guests understand the need to reduce numbers. And Haley says, we had our wedding cancelled during the second lockdown after having to reduce the numbers. It was heartbreaking. But we went ahead anyway in the registry office in the end. And we had the best day. What I can't understand is the outcry and shock people have towards this. I'm due to give birth in five weeks and my husband will only get to see his child for all of two hours over the first few days of his life and will not be able to accompany me through the full labour. That's serious. But it's okay to have a 100 guests in the same room for a wedding? Get off the stage. My words, not hers. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. Benny was saying just before that, to great John Morgan wrote a beautiful piece. He was talking about O'Driscoll's toy shop on Shandon Street, visits to Bradley's, visits to Bennett's. You know where I'm talking about, the North Main Street, Kilgrews. Uh, buying the new duffel coat that would last for years. Joyce's Brust Factory, uh, Woolworth's, Noddy's, the Queensall Castle, and way before McDonald's, Burger, Burger Land, and Mandy's. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good to speak to you it's again. A, uh, you too, my pal. It's a beautiful piece. The mind is sharp as ever. You can remember it all like yesterday. Is that right? Yes, well, you see, being an admin on the boys and girls of Knocker Page, I was looking through their photos, and obviously we have photos from the 50s and 60s up as regards Cork and Cork City, but the 1980s ones really struck a chord with me, Neil, and when I was looking at them photos, it brought me right back to, as you said, there are all the different shops going into town with the mother, and the excitement of going into town, because we didn't go in every Saturday, it, was, it could be once in a month, and... The memories were brilliant, and when I shared it on the page, like even people from Sydney got back to me saying that I brought a tear in their eye because of the peace and they missed cock and couldn't wait to get home. And when you hear things like that and the wonderful memories, it, you know, it kind of resonates with you that, you know, for people, memories is a big thing, really. And you'd be under orders, Mammy, to behave yourself, and then you'd board the probably the number two double decker from Lochnahini, am I right? That's right. We'd get way the bus stop actually right outside our door in Harbourview Road and we'd get the bus down and I remember vividly coming down the steps of the stairs being told in no uncertain terms, be good now, going into town, I'll bring in to O'Driscoll's first and if you like something you can pick it out 
but you'll get it on the way back <laughs> if you're good. You know, no, the Irish man, he's... Clever, wasn't she? <laughs> Very clever, so... You know, what would you pick out in O'Driscoll's? I'll tell you, no, one thing that always struck with me was a pair of binoculars in the early 80s when I seen the binoculars in there and Action Man. They were the two things that, you know, like, I, I just loved with Action Man. I'd play with them all day and with the binoculars, you'd bring it home then and sure, you thought you were brilliant with the binoculars. But they were probably close to useless, those binoculars, I'd say. <laughs> you abs- absolutely useless. But you see, when you were nine and ten, you look at things an awful lot differently, and you get hours of fun from both from both ends, right? <laughs> oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, you you turn them around the opposite way as well, and you see far away. It was it was just you know the imagination and the mind that time, and then you the lads, your your buddies, and they'd be taking it off you and someone else, and then my brother used to be looking for it, and you know it was so simple and so innocent compared like they'd laugh at you know the kids. I know, and before you know it, it was in smithereens. Was the journey then? Was the journey then to do do a bit of shopping, or was she buying you the new school uniform? Or where'd you go to school? I went to school in the North One, like okay. yourself. Yeah, so you did, you would have needed a uniform and a jumper, wouldn't you, and a pair of trousers? I would. And John, do you remember John O'Brien's shop? Do you? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, actually, believe it or not, his son was in my class, so. I always remember that shop at the time, and again, we'd go in That's there. That's Shandon Street, right? So was that Shandon Street? That was in Shandon Street, that's right, yeah. yeah. Down towards the bottom, I think, or the middle. And we'd go in there, and we'd get the communion or the confirmation suits and all stuff like that. So that shop always stood out for me because of the sun. In my like, like you could have never left Shandon Street to do your shopping back in the day, isn't that right? It had everything going. It, it had everything. Even my own mother was telling me, I don't know... If you would remember this now or not, but Claire O'Driscoll, she had a brother, and in Shandon Street, Armand and Horn was a bakery shop. Yeah. Did you ever hear of it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I didn't hear of that, no, but she was You never her, heard of Armand and Horn. There was a good half dozen or more bakeries on Shandon Street alone. Of, I heard of it, but I didn't know that it was a... That it was her brother that had it, you see. Yeah, I had a buddy, actually, Tom Creedon, I went to school with. Lovely, lovely guy. And he lived over a baker's. And I often wonder how he dealt with the gorgeous smell of the fresh bread every day. Yeah, yeah. There's a beautiful smell off that all the time, you see. I mean, okay, so you could do all your shopping on Shandon Street. But if you wanted to add a push, you wouldn't go further than Shandon Street and the North Main Street. You could do it all then. You could do it all, really. They they had everything, you see, because you had Bradley's, you had Bennett's, of course, which was the clothes shop in North Main Street, and then the Roman house, you see, that had everything then, from gifts to photo frames, cards, you name it. That was that was like an Easton's, in a way. It had everything. The Roman house, it did, that wasn't uh, the religious shop, no? It was, it was. There was all religious aspects to that then as well, you see. But, like, you could get all the gifts in there, and, like, that was a shop, really, that had kind of everything, I think. And the, was the monkey gone from the pet shop at that stage? The reason I ask is uh, a woman sent a photograph to me to my Instagram page over the weekend. I don't have my phone here now, but it's a photograph from my Instagram page that she shared with me of her, of her brother holding the small monkey from the shop on the North Main Street. Yeah, I, I have very tiny memories of the monkey, so he could have well been there, but I'll tell you a quick story about the, about the, the monkeys, right? In Patrick Street, apparently back there, I know it was at the early 80s, they used to take photographs with the monkeys. I know it was at the same fellow, no, that was North Main Street, but a fellow told me that I'm working with, he got a photo taken one Christmas with the monkey, right? <laughs> and Right? And 
in the background, there was a fella they knew, a neighbourhood friend or buddy, they knew that just happened to be in the photograph and they said that's a bit unusual. And the following year, at Christmas again, they retook the photograph I wasn't the same fella in the background. <laughs> yeah, a true story. Yeah, the very same. Like, how coincidental is that, Neil? I know. While I'm talking to you there, I'm going through my phone trying to find this photograph. So that's... And would you venture then for a bit of grub at all then? Would there be any kind of a treat? Well, the, the treat, you see, would always be Bogland or Mandy's at the time. That's where we we would go in. And, of course, we would collect the glasses then from Borgland, I don't know, do you remember the Donald Duck, Mickey Mouse, and all them glasses? I don't remember them, no, but yeah, I, I we, do remember, yeah. obviously, oh, I remember Borgland. Mandy's, and I remember Burgerland, and I have another story for you. Somebody sent me a photograph to my Instagram page of her husband, who was doing renovation work. I don't have that photograph in front of me either, but he, he was doing renovation work last week on whatever business, you know where, where Burgerland was, there on the corner of uh, Cook Street? Right? That's right. And they must have been ripping out the fixtures and fittings or doing something in the shop recently. And he found an old Burgerland burger box and an old Burgerland burger wrapper. <laughs> After all them years. After all them years. Yeah, it's incredible. You see the memories that I would bring back for people. I know, I know. I wish I could find it. When I find them, I'll post them anyway because they're—I mean—it just brings back the memories straight away. And would, was 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 Mandy's more of a north side venue? Was it? It was, I think, there because we used to, we used to always go there, and especially we'll say for birthdays. Now, like if you were eight and nine and ten or whatever. Believe it or not, we used to walk into town then at that stage ourselves, even at eight, nine and ten, and you'd go in with a couple of buddies. <laughs> you'd go in. I actually remember Neil going in with five pound at the time, right? And if I went in even with one buddy, both of us could get a meal in there. We could go to the pound shop <laughs> and get a gift in there and we could get the bus home. <laughs> I found the photograph actually I found the photograph it's a photograph this is my brother Gary holding the monkey from the North Main Street pet shop in 1982 it's a tiny little monkey in a tiny little I guess knitted woolen monkey suit with a long tail (laughs) yeah that would be about right early 80s because I can I have little memories of the monkey all right when passing the shop. Yeah, yeah. So I'm amazed actually. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. All right. So where where else? Oh, um this you referred to a bros shop. Bros was broken biscuits, was it? Oh yeah, there were all the sweets that were broken down, you see. And I'm telling you now, the, the dentists were delighted with us, you see, because we used to go in there and that was another treat then as well, get a bag of sweets. But I think as time went on, the mothers kind of realized the sweets aren't great for you because um, yeah. the old teeth started to go off a bit, you know what I mean? But explain bros, though, for those that don't understand it. Well, bros really was, I suppose, the sweets crushed down and they, they were like tiny, tiny little pieces of sweets that you'd eat. So they were the ones that wouldn't have made it into bags or wrappers, is it? I think some something similar to that, no, you see. And we'd, we'd get a big bag of it and... Obviously, it's full of sugar and whatever, and we loved it. <laughs> but did you ever go in... Did, was, was Woolworths gone at that stage? Because when you went in the front door of Woolworths, that was nothing but, tr- like, long, long trestle tables of sweets. Woolworths was full of sweets, all right. And as far as I remember, they were still there in the 80s, for some part of the 80s anyway. So, yeah, that was, that was still around, all right, Woolworths. 
Okay, you also dealt with uh, this was long before pennies, was it? Was pennies around then? Because you'd have no you'd pennies just... would have been around still back then. Or I think pennies was in the seventies when that opened up. Okay, so pennies would have been there. Certainly, the Queen's Oak Castle would have been there, wouldn't it? Oh, Cashes would have been there before the BT. Yeah, the Queen's Oak Castle was a big one. Sure, they kind of had everything in there from music stores to you would not ease then, which was a little toy store as well. You see, that's right. I knew cafes in there as well. Did you ever go to the pictures then when you went into town? Was that ever part of the day? Oh, the capital was a, a big deal for us. I can remember, I think it was the early 80s, again, going to the likes of E.T., you know, and Rocky 2 and Ro- Rocky 3 and stuff like that. <laughs> so the capital, we used to love the capital. We used to always go in there when, when the mothers would bring us in, you see. And not only would you go in then, but you could have three or four friends going in with you then as well, you see. They, oh, yeah, they, they'll always be a few of the neighbourhood kids come along as well. Would they slip so in or pay in? What's that? Would they slip in or pay in? Oh, no, you'd pay in, all right. You'd be in with the mother, you see, because this would have been early 80s. No, obviously, then, as the late 80s went down in the 90s, we went in ourselves. But back in them days, no, you had to go in with... Um, with a parent, you know? Yeah, for some reason, I, rec- I remember years ago, way before this, the 80s, I imagine this probably could have been the back end of the 60s, but whenever I was in town with my mother and anyone needed to go to the toilet or use the loo, she, I think it was the pavilion, now it might have been the Savoy, it was one or the other, she would bring us in there and we would just literally... In the afternoon, there would have been an afternoon film on. We would walk into the cinema, walk up the steps, walk into the cinema, walk along the back of the cinema so you could see the screen and everything, go to the toilet and walk back out again. Amazing. Yeah, that, I mean, that, yeah that's, that's unusual now because I suppose back then it was so different. Well, I just, that's, where we did, that's where we used to go and use the loo, it was either Savoy or the PAV. Um, but I just Are remember just walking being... on your own, not a bother. No, no. I imagine she'd be there as well. I can't, I can't oh, recall yeah, that part yeah. of it. But I remember stopping when it'd be in there then and maybe standing watching the film for a few minutes and then heading off. Somebody's actually said that um, it was uh, the Shirley Shake, the Clarence Club Burger. They were the glasses that they used to do uh, in Mandy's. Um, by all accounts, and there, there was always something to be collected in either Mandy's or or Burgerland, wasn't there? They always do different oh, there things. There was, yeah. yeah. They, I mean, they always did a different team, yeah. and with Burgerland, it was the Disney characters. And at one stage, I think way back in the day, there was uh, World Cup glasses. I think maybe with Coke, if I remember correctly, possibly eighty-two. Oh, yeah, that could well have been, all right, yeah, yeah. I think I remember something about that, all right. So when you post something like this online, you get people all over the world homesick. I did, I did. I got people from all over now, to be fair, from the likes of Scotland, further afield, even Sydney. And like that, no, they were saying thanks for sharing the wonderful memories. You know, And a lot of people too, Neil, would have said that it brought back great kind of memories going in with their parents. And because I suppose a lot of people know their parents may no longer be with them, you see. And, you know, like a lot of people said, the post brought a smile to my face. And thanks for sharing. Yeah. So, well, it, yeah, and me too, because you evoked that memory of my mother in the cinema, the, or, as we used to say, the picture well, house. It, you see, your, your memories then, it doesn't have to be 80s, obviously, 60s or 70s. Like you said, your memories could be similar or a little bit different than other people's memories. And people love memories and looking back and see the childhood. Did you ever and go into the it, Wimpy? 
doing be- I did. I did. I didn't hear that now for a long time, that name. <laughs> that's, a, that's a long time ago now, Wait, I'd say, but I, I remember going in. Was there a few of them? Was there one on McCurtain Street? I think there might have been a couple, all right, yeah, wouldn't be, yeah. That's definitely one on Patrick Street. I think there might have been two, all right. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't be. That, I can remember the burger or something, uh, the picture of the burger or something like that. That's right. I'm just getting a text here from John who says, just wondering, does anybody remember the Wimpy? And then there was other ones where you could go into the ice cream parlours that were run by O'Brien's. Did you ever have, like, a, a Knickerbocker Glory? Did you ever save up for one of them? No, you have me there. No, Did I you not hear of O'Brien's, point. the ice cream parlours, no? I heard of O'Brien's, yeah, but um, no, that Knickerbocker Glory, no, I never heard of that. You gotta have one of those. <laughs> no, I never heard of that. No, that's uh, that's something different. All right. Well, let's see if other people have other stories to share. A bit of reminiscing. And how would you compare and contrast, say, the eighties in the city and say now? Well, you see, I understand it a bit more now because when I what I realised now when when I posted this, looked at the photographs, even talking to my mother. You see, when my mother went into a lot of these shops, like there was like. The shopkeepers, everyone would kind of know everyone. And do you know what, Neil? It was a social outlet, really, for, for the mothers and the people at that time. There was a lot of characters in the shop. And they'd have all known her name. And whereas now, look, I know things are different, but when you're going to shops now, I don't think people know your name as much. It's the exception, the isn't it? It's yeah. different. Yeah, it's the exception. Yeah. It's yeah. different. It's a, It was a real social outlet that time. Whereas now, I just think... People, even the safety at Tony G was saying there a while ago, it's, it's, it's different. It's, it's just a different life, really, when you look back to the 80s. And were you forever then standing next to your mother, dragging at her hand because she was stopping everywhere chatting with people? And, forever, yeah, forever. Yeah. I was just waiting to go. But I knew, and this is true now, I knew if I opened my mouth, if I started giving out, we'd bypass other <laughs> shops shop there and I wouldn't get the tie. <laughs> There'd be no action man on the way home. No, and I, I'm telling you now, that's true. So I kept my mouth shut because all I wanted was to get a tie in there. And she, obviously, she ties of all different shapes and sizes. And that, that was my main aim. I went along with it. But when I look back now, like, they were wonderful memories. My mam's passed away now. How's yours? Is she, is she still with us or, or what? She is. She is, thank God. And, like, she's 74 years of age and she was up with me here. I'm out in Dunhamore. She was here with me on Friday. <laughs> And we were actually reminiscing now about <laughs> this. And she, yeah, and she was telling me about all the, you know, the different shops and like that. No, she, she was looking forward to me coming on with Neil. So she loves Neil Prendable. Uh, her plate, so and she would have loved so the English market and probably the coal K as well as everything else. The English market was a huge thing. You know, she was telling me about going in there all the time and at Christmas yeah. and that was a huge thing altogether. And it burned, and it burned down two or three years after that, as you know. It did, yeah, it did. Yeah, and, yeah, came, back, did, and it came back to his former glory. So what, let's say hello to your mam. What's your mam's name? Well, she's not, I'm in Dunamore. Like she's, she's, well, yeah, her name is Rose Morgan. She'd be delighted with you. Morning, Rose. You reared a fine son there, Rose. Fair play to you, fair play to you. 
that's brilliant. Thanks for that, Neil. To you and all the Morgans. John, do stay in touch. I love your pros. Keep it coming, kid. Well done. Cheers. I will, of course. All the best now. All Cheers. the best. The great John Morgan from the boys and girls of Naka. Uh, you can share, if you wish, your own reminiscence, just like uh, John did. Uh, email neil at redfm.ie. I see text coming in already. Text 0868 Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Thank you, yes. I have seen some of the uh, texts that were coming in and somebody has sent me a screenshot as well of the price of an Elton John ticket for the July gig at Parky Cueve. At the weekend then, I googled a lot of the other tour dates for Elton John's final farewell concert tour. And all of the ticket prices are by and large similar to the Cork prices. Maybe a little bit cheaper in different parts of Europe and what have you. Uh, But everybody apparently uh, is, well, they say... Uh, everybody is livid at the ticket price. The full price ticket is 181 euro, which seems like an awful lot of money to me for a concert ticket, 181 euro. I don't know and can't remember how much the ticket prices were for um, uh, Elton John Wednesday, for instance, he played uh, live at the Marquee. But this is a Parky Cueve gig, which will take an awful lot more people. So you would think that the prices would have been keen, um, how much of the 181 euro full ticket price um, Elton John actually gets? I don't know. Is it a case that he says, I want 100 euro and you can get whatever you want for the rest of the ticket price, but I want 100 euro. I don't know. And like, it's not as if he's short of money or anything like that. Does 181 euro seem like an awful lot of money for an Elton John um, gig on side? Did to me. I mean, I would have thought it would have been 70 euro, 80 euro, maybe kind of thing. Maybe I'm living in the dark ages, but 101 euro. Uh, anyway, another good story for a change. I was wondering if you can help me. My family and I went to Donnerill Park on Sunday and afterwards we went to a chipper in town. I ordered the food. I was told to come back in 15 minutes. That's the way it works with a lot of chippers. We went back and I went to pay by card, but was told by a staff member they only accept cash. It's kind of the exception now, cash, isn't it? They only accept cash. I was advised by the lady behind me to try Centra for cash. Uh, you know, I did. They had none. Um, I was then told to try, and you know, you go to Centra for cashback, I think. But apparently, it must be that, that Centra didn't do cashback. I was then told to try another shop up the road as they have an ATM. But the ATM was out of order. Anyway, long story short, I eventually came back to the chipper to explain... We only had a tenner in cash and could only pay for the kids' food because the overall bill was €25. It was embarrassing. It was awkward. Then, from behind me, came the chipper angel. Inverted commas. She said, here, I'll pay for it. I've seen you running everywhere looking for cash. I said, no, I wouldn't dream of it. But she insisted and she paid the €15 we were short. I asked her, Uh, for her phone number or her address but she said it was her good deed for the day it was a beautiful thing to do please Neil I'd really like to thank this lady and maybe even get to repay her she said she was a local also how nice to see in 2021 that human kindness and decency still exists and I know you'll ask yes the food was beautiful Kind regards, says Rose. Um, I don't know what chipper you went to, so I don't know uh, exactly where this happened. I'm assuming somewhere in the city, because you say afterwards we went to a chipper in the town. 
Um, all that, now that I think of it, if I read that paragraph again, my family and I went to Donnerail Park on Sunday and afterwards went to a chipper in the town of Donnerail. Okay, so we're narrowing it down. Does it ring any bells with anybody? Uh, because Rose would love to say thank you again. But even if it doesn't happen, it's always great um, to share a story. And you are right. The chipper angel is a wonderful person. And it is a good news story for a change. You can't beat it. it happened to me once, actually. Um, um, actually, actually, it was the it was the golden fry. It happened to me. I was in the queue, big long queue, na 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 da na na da na da, um, and got up, ordered, went to pay, um, only cash. This was some years back. I don't know whether they might take credit cards now. I don't know or debit cards. Um, it's mortifying when it happens. But in fairness, I said, look. I only have a credit card. They said, don't worry about it. Come back tomorrow. You can pay tomorrow. Which I thought was a lovely touch. And it averted a crisis and a home that I couldn't go back to. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. Keep those stories coming. We'll pick it up after 11. Hey, it's Killian. Join me Sundays from 10 for loads of music, a bit of chat and my mildly interesting facts of the weekend. It's the Sunday 10 to 2 show with Killian on Cork's Red FM. Emerald Music Station of the Year. You're on Cork's Red FM. Yes, and I'll come back to calls in a few minutes. I just need to take some time out just to to do a few um, pieces here. Uh, One of them is to update you on Christina, who was scammed out of a substantial amount of money. I'm talking about well over 10 grand. And we dealt with that chapter and verse on the program last week. She is a 30-year-old Spanish girl living in Cork since 2018 and got caught with the scam about her PPS number being used for fraudulent activity and the guards were coming to arrest her. And in a panic and with worry, she gave over all of the details uh, and walked into a bank and transferred all of her life savings uh, over to Crooks in Thailand into a Thai bank. Now, uh, if you recall that story, that's good. Um, But I just want to bring you up to date. She was a customer of Bank of Ireland and I know the Chambers dealt with this um, and was having lengthy conversations with Bank of Ireland, who wouldn't commit one way or the other uh, to, you know, um, it's not a case of refunding her the money. It's a case of giving her the equivalent out of Bank of Ireland funds. And, I, and I'll tell you why. She's come back now to say, I've had an update from Bank of Ireland, Neil. They did try to recall the money from the Thai bank, but they've come back to me saying there is no funds in the bank account and there is no way to have my money back. I am so desperate. Uh, I could cry. Uh, I won't read out one or two uh, lines from the email because I don't know whether she wants me to share those, but she's very upset. She says, it makes it even harder because I know more cases of fraud where the banks have refunded the money to the customers and I feel that this is totally unfair. So on that basis, I'm not saying that all doors are closed and I'm sure that Seamus will be putting in a call to Bank of Ireland to ask them why they have said that they can't help her and all that they can do is try and get the funds um, refunded out of the Thai bank that they went into. But there's no money in the account. Because what these guys do is they whip the money out straight away. Like, straight away. But there should be a pause on overseas um, deposits like that, you know, where money is transferred. There should be a 24-hour or 48-hour, I believe, where everything is frozen in the event of somebody changing their mind or it being fraudulent activity. There isn't in this case. And, you know, like I know that if I send money to other bank accounts, my, my online banking says it could be three to five days. 
So I don't know why that didn't happen in that case, but the money's gone. So it's more important than ever, I suppose, that people are aware of her GoFundMe. Uh, and she did set up a GoFundMe uh, a page, and it's called Support for Christina After Being Scammed. And she set a goal of €8,000. It falls very short of the amount of money that was robbed. 8000 It's uh, it's it's not even half. Uh, it's nowhere near it. Uh, but it's there if you have a few bob and you would like to help her out. Support for Christina after being scammed. Go fund me if you can find the time or a few bob to help her and that would be great. You know how we talk, and that was a lovely conversation with John Morgan about, you know, the north side, Shandon Street, the north main street, Patrick Street and the different shops, Mandy's and Burgerland. What was it? What was the Burgerland equivalent to the Big Mac? Was it the Club Burger, I think? A big baiter of a thing. But I got a letter in by hand. Three pages of uh, rip-out A4. Um, handwritten. Not going to give the address. Not going to give the gentleman's name. I've read it a few times. Um, it's amazing that this man, considering everything that he's been through, can be so optimistic and positive and, you know, uh, be so grateful and thankful of the smallest things that happened in his life. Um, I think this letter was actually written to me because somebody did a kind thing for him on Shandon Street in a shop recently. And he says, I mean, you're, you're going to find parts of this letter upsetting. I guarantee you that. Thank you for your wonderful radio show. I look forward to it every morning. I'm a 68-year-old man. I was in America for 30 years. And I'm in Cork for eight years now. The reason I'm writing to you is uh, I am sick for five months now. And in that time, I haven't eaten any food. I live on vegetable juice and complan. I also have inflammation from the waist down and in my back. Sometimes it turns into chronic pain. Doctors have uh, given me all the required x-rays and tests and everything appears normal. I'm sick from trauma. That's what it is. Trauma. Because of a history of violence and abuse. I was abused as a child and it followed me throughout my life. The amount of abuse I suffered is almost hard to believe. Both of my parents were abusers and both of them sexually abused me. I have recovered the memories over the years, mostly when I was in my 30s. When I stopped drinking, the memories came back. But recently too, when I got sober in New York, um, I wrote to a priest in the parish where I grew up for the names of all of the children in our family. I thought they might have um, maybe um, buried some of the children. Um, Indeed, I worried that some may have been buried on our farm. Not uh, Not much later, I remembered being hit on the forehead with a poker or some kind of an iron bar. It was a blow that could have killed me. I sprang up in the bed and said, oh my God, I'm dead. Uh, I have the scar on my forehead to this day. My sister was a year older than me. When I was five, the day before we were to start school, my sister was naughty. She had great spirit. She used to run all over my father, took the collar off the beagle, so he did, and he attacked her with it, the buckle of the belt. He gave her a savage beating right in front of me, She was jumping in the air and screaming. Her legs were raw and bloody. She never ran again, and she was disabled from that day on. It traumatized me. I never played in national school. Uh, I stood by the door of the school every day during lunchtime. I was scared of being hurt. 
My father was convicted for assaulting a neighbor with a hammer. My father just hated me and would verbally attack me every day. The man was full of hate and full of rage. I recently had flashbacks of these attacks. He went to his grave without ever saying my name. He never called me by my name. He bullied me every day and my younger brother copied him and bullied me too. I was so upset with the daily torment. I was going to write to a newspaper to get help way back in the day. When I was about 20, another brother threatened me with a hatchet. I ran for my life into a neighbor's house. I had wonderful neighbors, all right, who were very kind to me. As I said, the abuse followed me into my adulthood. I was the victim of two homophobic attacks, which really hurt me. I was sexually attacked by a taxi driver in London when I was 20, 29, sorry. But despite all of that, and despite all I feel, I feel great love and have a love for my life now. People in Cork have been very kind to me. I love going to Centra on Chandon Street. And this morning, the young man at the checkout said, I'll pay for your coffee. I was so touched by his kindness, I cried walking up Shandon Street with my coffee. I'm very healthy mentally and I'm off my medication. Despite years of therapy, I still have bad dreams and flashbacks. I'm going for hypnosis on Saturday. He said that he can stop the bad dreams for me. Maybe if you read out my letter, someone can help me to get well and to eat again. Feel free to call me anytime. Sincerely yours, Paddy. Um, that must have taken an awful long time just to sit down, gather your thoughts and to write that letter to me, Paddy. And, and I hope sharing it or writing it down or listening now because I know you're listening. I hope that sharing it eases your burden. I'm absolutely blown away by how positive you are in spite of everything that went on in your life. You know, and I, I don't think that that man, that young fellow, whoever he was in, Shen, in, in Centra and Shandon, realizes the kind gesture and the wonderful positive effect on you had on you by him just saying, I'll pay for your coffee. Uh, it's just amazing the small things in life that can have huge, huge consequences, the good, the bad and the ugly. In this case, it was the good gesture. Uh, if you don't mind, um, I'd love to pass on your uh, letter, if it's okay with you, to Paddy O'Brien, who does incredible work in this area. Um, and I think that Paddy would be interested in having a chat with you. You know, I mean, particularly with regards to, you know, um, your food and your diet and your weight, or maybe services that could be there that you're not aware of. So can you come back to me, if you don't mind, just a little note in the post when you get a minute, Paddy. Uh, just let me know that it's okay to do that so we can get the wheel, wheels rolling to maybe make your life that little bit better. All right? But thank you for writing. I hope sharing has helped. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. That's the problem, apparently, in Butterfin. Somebody says the chipper and the Chinese don't take cards, only cash. There's only one ATM in the centre in Butterfin in the town and it closes at half past eight. <laughs> So beware, if you have money to spend in Budavant, it's best to bring some cash with you. Anyway, text 0868104106. Thank you so much. Kieran Barry has corrected me and he's dead right to. Apparently, I'm confusing two different establishments. There wasn't a Wimpy on McCurtain Street. It was actually the Uptown Grill was on McCurtain Street. The Wimpy was on Patrick Street. And if you had a few bob, you had a feed in the Uptown Grill and you had the afters like banana splits in O'Brien's next door. There was like three O'Briens. There was certainly two. Definitely two. One on McCurtain Street 
and the other one on Washington Street. A bit like Cudmore's. There was loads of them around the place. But enough of me. Back to the phone as we go. Finbar, good morning. Good morning, Neil. You were talking there a while ago about someone was Shandon Street in Corkay. John Morgan uh, was reminiscing the trip downtown. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be talking about deities. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I could go, go back to the 50s. Oh, right. Shandon Street was, 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 was the hub of, 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 of life because I used to go from Spangle Hill at him, no car family, uh, usually with my mother, going on Shandon. And I was like that boy that wanted to pull me out of Come on away, come on. I know, me. yeah, constantly. You didn't get Rocky Stone's book yet, did you? I was actually talking to the man yesterday. You're and there's a second uh, uh, session, what's it called, coming out soon. No, it's out. No, it's out. It's out. And uh, I, I'll let you know the day that it arrives in Vibes and Scribes. You can go in and buy a new copy because it's sold out I already. He has it put on the north side as well for sale, but I was talking to him yesterday. Yeah. Listen, that man you were talking about there... Um, there is, there is, there is lots of stuff available because I'm involved in the family community association, and we do a lot. If, if the man is looking for any kind of food and he's living anywhere on the north side, we will supply food to him, no problem because we have a lot of people that. Paddy, is it? Sorry. Paddy's story, is it the letter? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, my God, oh my, my heart went out to me there. Oh God, I'm wasting I mean, my life. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to be talking about the man now because I don't want to be depressing him. Let me just say, he hadn't an easy life. Oh, God almighty. I would look, look, you could see we were tough going up because basically, basically you had nothing, but you had, a, you had, you had genuine, in a lot of cases, you had genuine parents who cared, who worried about you and all that, but Miss Foster, man, but why I His father was, his uh, father was a psychopath. Anyway. Absolutely. Oh, my God. He's a, yeah. Look, he seems to be a lovely man and he seems to be. Lovely. Like, I'm getting over it. I'm going to beat this. And it's a good thing. Yeah. Play it from and sometimes story. writing a letter like that can be very therapeutic. But listen, I, I hope that he comes I back to me. I have taken him, it might have taken him a week or two weeks to do that, you know, because he had, he had to say... Um, it's a long, handwritten letter. There isn't a spelling mistake in it. There isn't a word crossed out. He must have put an awful lot of time into this letter. Yeah. He really did. But listen, I would go with my mother, and there was, in the court here at that time, there would be... It was kind of a lingo, as the song said, the stranger didn't know the language. My, my mother, her name was Ellen, but she was known as Nelly, and a friend of hers might call her, and she might say, Nelly, how's your mother for dripping? <laughs> what did that mean? <laughs> How are you, Lee? And the answer to that bag, up to her neck and loud. <laughs> that means England, but I, I, the conversation would flow on, and, and then she'd go to the next stall, the next stall, the next stall. What else would they say? I mean, I don't mean to pin you to your collar, but have you any more of those? Well, generally, you know, I'd have to say it was the Hudmans who came under the hammer from there on. Did you hear about my fella, didn't I? Is it drunk as a lord? God almighty, he fell in the door. And the conversation would go on again, you know, like that. But, like, uh, there was a language. You want to hear the, 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 when I think back. But again, as the chap said there, he wanted to get to the tie shop. But it's the truppings I wanted off. Somebody, my mother would say, or a woman or a man would say, who's this chap? And she'd ask me, son. And you wake it truppings off of that person. That was a price of the lady or that night. Don't that was a beautiful coin. Didn't that have a gate on the front of it or something? It, uh, it, was, a, it, it, was, it was a beautiful coin, but it was, it was a price of the lady. So that's all you're worried about. You got the price. I could be in there at 10 years of age that time, you know. Into but the Lido. Into the Lido for the cowboys and Indians. Oh, God. And you're hitting your side and you're going, you're going up from the Lido after watching Hopland uh, <laughs> Cassidy or Ray Rogers or one of them. You thought you were on a horse. <laughs> 
Or if you were watching Tales End, then you were out, 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 the, fee, out the, the woodlands, out, not far from us, a couple of miles. We'd walk out to the after, we'd have ropes, and we'd be swimming between the trees. Can you, can, you do your, can you do your Tarzan call anymore, I wonder? <laughs> I have not. Uh, ah, <laughs> no? Uh, me, Tarzan, Eugene, that was beautiful <laughs> shouting. <laughs> And when you used to get us come out like with us too, like a young girl around the area there. I mean, there was a lot of Did your mother there. live down, did your mother work on the coal cake? No, well, she, my mother, she worked, did you ever hear of a, a bakery called Simcox's? Simcox's, there, I, I think there's still an old Simcox sign, isn't there, in paint? I don't know, I haven't Where seen it. Where was it? Up in the corner of Grand Parade, you know, they made through the dance hall after... The corner of Grand Parade. Whereabouts? Yeah, as you turn into South Mandalorian. Fianna Fáil, I had, I had offices there at one time. Oh, yeah. Was that a bakery? Yes, right, yes. Sim Cox is big. My mother walked, you know, along with having 12 children, but she still had time to walk. Fantastic. <laughs> but it was a fairly general thing that time up in, up in Spangle Hill. That a lot of the women walked as well, you know. Mm. They, they did all kinds of cleaning and whatever. Mm. But um, uh, did, 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 we had a kind of... Um, an unofficial industry between ourselves because we would collect pieces of metal, uh, aluminium tops and cans, and we'd go to the dumps trying to get them, sell them, blow them back, pool, to get the prices later. That was, it was a kind of an industry. You That's know? it, yeah, yeah. You were always wheeling and dealing as kids for a few coppers. Uh, or you could go go collecting blackberry to get a book and take it down to Gilvia Moores. If the book was full, you got a half crown. There could be six of us still, like, trying to get enough again to go to the later. The later was everything, because the later was... There was a change of films three times a week. I was just going to ask you, I mean, you, like, it, there would never be a fear that you'd be going to see the same film, no? No, no, there was a change, um, was it Tuesday, Tuesday, Friday and Sunday, I think there were three changes. Uh, <laughs> and if, But the following up, one would come back every week, every, so you had to go and see that. that oh, be, they were, te- they'd leave you hanging, would they? There'd be, there'd be, uh, do you know the famous scene, did you start everyone nearly? In the cowboy team, where the, the, the coach and the good fellow and the bad fellow fight on top of the coach and the girl in the coach and the horses are galloping and it falls off a cliff. But next week, by some miracle, he knocks the fellow out just in time, jumps on the horses and pulls the horses. But the would you not be annoyed that the story would be left hanging, no? You had to go back again. No, you had to go back. You had to get the next, wherever you're going to get the money, you had to get it. For Didn't next they week. used to do that with Flash Gordon all the time? That's right. That was another one. And Ming the Merciless, he could be in that, you know. That's right. <laughs> I, mean, I tell you, we, we imagine this. It was unbelievable. You're, you're like... And the horrible, and the, 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 the wolfman, Lon Chaney, you know? Yeah. God, he made a series of them. And they were the same film every time. <laughs> and if you look back at them now as an adult, the storylines were rubbish. Absolutely. But the cowboy thing should have gone with the smoke to come out of it, you know? <laughs> 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 and we'd be up to up by the Glinda to be up to Glinda there to shoot behind rocks. <laughs> I got you, you didn't, you didn't. Hang you didn't. on a second, You're, you you might refuse to do a Tarzan impersonation, but you do very good gunfire impersonations. <laughs> but you had, you had a bit of stick in your hand. There might be one for the, um, one or two for the, might have guns, all right, you know. But, Unfortunately, uh, we live in a time now where they're real guns. Good God. Oh, God, I don't know. Look, I know the stuff that, like I have me on mobile, you know, and I can use a computer. But, uh, like, it's it's... There's no imagination left to the kids. They're, they're, like, you had seasons. You had the chestnut season, then, who had the best chestnuts, you know, who had the hardest chestnuts. But I have to admit, after all those years that I did cheat, I have to admit, no. How, do you, che- how did you cheat? I did. My father, my brother, they painters, but he used to keep a van shouting in the back of the shed. 
I went back and I just dipped the, 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 the chestnut into it and I make a hole in the first, put a lace through it and then dip it and leave it there for about a couple of hours. What did you dip it in? Dry, and it would be rock hell. Well, what did you dip it in, did you say? Varnish. Clear varnish. And would your buddies not realise that this was a varnished chestnut? You see, if, if you look at a chestnut, it, it's, 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 it's like varnish yourself. A glass yeah, because we used to polish them up, yeah, yeah. But then we used to, I used to dip them. All the fellas would put them up a chimney to have them, you know, all, it, they were all different kinds of plans and schemes <laughs> to make sure that you were, you were the champion of something. <laughs> and then you had the steering car season and that lasted before you went back to school. That's right. And I, bet, I bet you know, you know, when you were growing up, did you ever make a treasure? What's the treasure? That means you got bits of bikes from there for his backyard, or backyard, and you got a wheel here and a wheel there, and a, a frame of bike here, and you make it up between you. No brakes, no nothing. And you've got to try and get a spin down, down through Spangle Hill. Oh, well, we definitely made steering cars, yeah. I mean, a lot, lot of the time we took the wheels off prams and things. I guess right. We had all those... Uh, and then you had the winter with the skating down the hill, because we lived on the hill. You know, it was easy. In the wintertime, you threw water down the side. And within an hour, you could ski around for hours after. Yeah. You need to get Rocky Stone's book, Finbar, because it's chock full of photographs of what you're describing. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe I still have his first one. It's updated. It's updated. It's updated. Uh, yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to reading it when it comes out, but I believe with one of the shops, you know, the family has it as well. Uh, I think maybe Bill's, I think, maybe. Mm, exactly. Yeah, exactly. but I'd say they're sold out, but but listen, he's got a new run coming. I'm going to get some more calls on the air, is that all right? Sure. Take care, take care. Actually, one of the things that he mentioned there was uh, going, going uh, picking black as, as in blackberries. And it's nearly blackberry season, is it? Has it arrived yet? Certainly it's on the way. You can buy blackberries, just like you can buy raspberries and strawberries and blueberries and stuff like that in the shop. So that's what we did last week. um, And I decided to uh, just as a trial run for the blackberry season, I decided to create a toasted sandwich with blackberries. Um, And I posted it up on my Instagram in one of the, what are they called again? The 24 hour ones? Stories, aren't they? They disappear after 24 hours. So it's a photograph. I can can repost it again later without wrecking people's heads. But it's a trial run sandwich for when you go picking blackberries. You can go make all the jam you want with it or eat as many of them yourself. But you could also make a toasted sandwich out of it. And I guarantee you, if you get proper bread, Good bread now, not the cheapy sliced pan, but a decent bread. There are some good sliced pans. You know, the ones that have uh, like the brown. I did it with the brown wholemeal with seeds bread sliced. It was pre-sliced. Worked out great. And into the sandwich goes blackberries, basil and cheese. And you toast it on the George Foreman or if you have a sandwich grill or something. It doesn't really work as well, I would think, under the grill. And clearly you can't put it in a drop-down toaster because you'll destroy it. But say the George Foreman are a toasted sandwich maker where you close the lid on it like an iron. You will get the most beautiful sandwich. It's blackberries, basil and cheese toasty. It's the job uh, for the blackberry season that's ahead of us. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 Uh Marie and D has probably lost the will to live holding on. D, good morning. <laughs> Hi, Neil. Never listening to you. <laughs> You're so kind. <laughs> what a lovely way to start the week. So your first job at 15 was where? Yeah, it was in Burgerland in the Queensville Castle. And I remember going in on my in my school uniform 
it was a half day on a Wednesday and I walked in in my Christ the King girls secondary school uniform and I sat down for my first ever interview and I remember being so nervous but I wore the uniform because obviously I didn't have a suit <laughs> so I had my shirt and tie on um, Was there a, so there was a Burgerland in the Queens was there? Yeah, downstairs in, in the Queensville Castle. That was Burgerland, yeah. Um, and we were right next door to Dick Mac's cafe, coffee shop. You know, he had that tiny little cafe, little thingy. I remember that name. Oh, right. And every so often, he'd be, the man himself would be in there. And of course, now... Joe he, Max, surely. Joe Max, sorry. The, for Joe the donuts. Mac. Donuts. Dick, but you're confusing <laughs> Lofting Pints and Dick Max and Dingle, I'd say. Oh, maybe. Oh, do you know what? Yes, another episode of my misspent. No, something. it was not misspent. Yeah. Joe Mac had the donuts. Yes, and the odd time he'd be in there himself serving. and um, <sighs> Little I, mini I, donuts floating down the hot oil. Yeah. Yes, but the smell, you could smell it just oh, when he was cooking oh, yeah. them fresh, fresh, <laughs> and then dipping them in the sugar. So I used to get 11. 50, 11 pounds 50 for working my Saturdays right and I'd go in to collect them on a Wednesday half day again from school and I'd spend them all on the donuts <laughs> that was a lot of donuts you must have had you must have been having to let the uniform out oh god no I'd share I was always very good I'd have a couple of buddies with me on the half day we'd walk into town to collect my money so you got and the job in Burgerland I did and one oh god one of the one of the jobs that I had to do was mop the upstairs floor. Do you remember the size of the space upstairs in the Queen's Oak Castle? I didn't even know there was a burger land in the Queen's Oak Castle. Ah, where were you? Yeah. Patrick Street one, yeah. Yeah. Um, So inside the Queen's Oak Castle, so we would have been opposite where the toy shop was. Um, and all the you know the little stores used to be in there. It was a wonderful place. I think oh, Queen's Oak Castle was now. superb. Did, and did you get to eat a lot of the food there? Oh God, yeah. Um, listen, I'm a skinny mini. I always have been. One of these days, I'll wake up and I'll, it'll pay me back. And what <laughs> did you? My husband says I it, I eat it and he puts it on. And what did you eat? Um, was it the club burgers, the chips? Yeah, it was a club burger. Oh, club burgers and chips. Um, I, I was never into the fillet of fish type thing, the fishy ones I didn't like. And do you know what? And I even I'd have a go at making the club burger, but it never tasted the same. I used to get one of the other guys, you know, to make it for me. I could never make my own burger because it was. So you served, is it? I served as well. Yeah. So I was at the till serving, um, and just everybody like coming in on the Saturday. It was great. Um, yeah, I really, really loved it as a, as a job. Look, it was a big deal. And eleven fifty for the day was that good money? I thought I thought it was anyway. Absolutely, it, I, it allowed me to treat myself and a few buddies to something on a Wednesday, and I might save a fiver for something like a top that I wanted, you know. Or yeah, like yeah. So eleven fifty for the day, and all you could eat. All I, all, literally all I could eat and when I left when I left um, I know when I left um, Burger Land I I, I def- defected and I went to Burger King right as you do and um, <laughs> once transfer, one of the there was managers, a transfer fee was there I did yeah there was a bit I was highly sought after but seriously I'd say right at lunchtime I used to take a bit of everything and go down to, to the staff area and eat but the manager came down one time to sit down just to watch because he thought I was taking all this food and sharing it and giving it to some of the other lads <laughs> down the staff room because he wasn't believing that I was eating it. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm blessed. But I thought I say, if you would have defected from Burgerland, it mm. would have been probably to Mandy's. 
No, across oh, the road. Oh, I loved Mandy's. I loved Mandy's. It was a special was day fun. when the Mandy burger was 39 pence or something. And there's be, there used to be a rush on them. Yeah, and they had a seating area. I used to get very excited because they had a seating area that was kind of in the basement. So you'd go, you'd walk right. in ground level. There was a counter, but then they had seating kind of a few steps down and you kind of turned a corner. And I don't know, I just remember Mandy's was a real treat. My mother would have taken me to Mandy's now. Mandy's is now McDonald's, isn't McDonald's, it? McDonald's, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, the, but the coveted seat in Mandy's was the window seats. Ah, you watch the yes. world go by. Absolutely. But well, you've been talking about the cinemas and I remember the pavilion as a small child sneaking in there and sneaking in to use the toilets like you were saying. And you'd stand at the top <laughs> until one of the ushers told you to get out, you know. Um, <laughs> but I thought, and that place to me was like a movie set because they had the cafeteria or the coffee, like a tea room upstairs with large bay windows looking out onto Patrick Street. So that would have um, been the pavilion? The pavilion, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that and, was and very, there was a very, very posh restaurant up there. It was. I never ate in there. I would walk in there and have a nose yeah. and then get ushered out again. I yeah. was never lucky enough to eat in there. But I just thought it was so classy. It was beautiful. Like, it was like classy. Said, it and was across like, the road from it would have been um, the Oyster Tavern and also there would have been a very, very, very classy restaurant in the old Victoria Hotel. That would have been silver service. Oh. You never oh. would have gotten in there. Yeah, no, not a hope. But I got, listen, I got my picture with that little monkey as well on Patrick Street. I couldn't well find it. I was trying to send you the pic, but... Well, I've got I another one here one now. I said the, I've got a photograph of the, the Patrick Street monkeys in the late 1970s. Mm-hmm. And this is clearly dad with a beautiful sports coat on him and his two daughters. And there are two monkeys in the, in the, in the girl's arms. Three! Yes. There's one on his shoulder as well. <laughs> I remember being frozen for fear it happening and I couldn't get over the little hands they had little yeah, fingers I know. It's something, there's something quite weird about it all right? yeah, yeah. in my duffel coat I have to say yeah lovely stories thanks so much Dee thanks Not for sharing thanks Cheers. for the memories take care Marie good morning thanks for holding on um, can you hear me alright Oh, hang on, I'm going to set together here. There you are. Marie, you're there now, yeah? Hi, how, how are you, Nick? What question do you want? Does anybody uh, remember? No, question, no, remember, I, I just listened to your program this morning. Sorry, good. Just going on there about, I have a picture of my daughter with the monkey and Patrick, so actually, in 1984. <laughs> but did you have to pay for the photograph for the monkey? You did. Yeah. You did, straight away. Yeah. Yeah, per, yeah, straight away. You got your photograph. He put it out on a Polaroid system. But going back to uh, when I'm not a fossil, I'm mean, 62 this year, but going back, it was the Sunbeam Pond. Going back, when my mum used to bring us out, uh, well, there was eight of us there. there Sunbeam Pond us. is probably yeah. something so where Blackpool Retail Park is now, is it? Yeah, the Hankton's Paints. It's all covered in now. But going back, we used to go out with my mum and we'd have our, fr- our friends with us, as well as our four or five of the family. And she'd bring us out. There was nothing, just even a sandwich. We'd go out, it was great. You got your plastic sandals on and listen to all the old stories this morning, which just brought back memories to me. And we'd go into the shallow water. It was so cool. You'd go under the bridge, they're hanging to the paints. And it was just so lovely. Just to remember that this morning. This and is, is that where you used to hang out all summer long, is it? All, every summer, my mum bars out. Maybe three times during the summer because she was unable with so many kids. But it was it's a small walk from Cadiza Road out to Blackpool at the time. She'd have a buggy or a pram, big pram at that time. 
like I say, we'd have friends with us as well as our own. I and, bet you, I bet you don't remember. But I, coming home. I bet your mom would bring sandwiches and Marietta biscuits. No, we just, no, no, Marietta biscuits. We had bread and butter. Yeah, so she would we, certainly bring something. The strings of the violins out, but that was it. <laughs> it was great. It was great. <laughs> Lovely memories. Especially when it was, you know, it was good weather. We'd go out, sit on the bank. There was no blanket, no nothing. But it was lovely. I, just I know. Cross. I know. I just got a lovely memory this morning. I wanted to share it on the radio. You're so really kind. The sun Very being good. Very and your memory will then invoke other people's memories, and that's what it this would, is because, all about. You know why? Um, it was because you had to go to Drummies or Norton's with the plastic shoes and the key, which I, brought back more memories. I remember those plastic sandals. Yeah. And it was just so, you went for everything there. Your slippers, the old shops. That's all. Well, there was a time when you didn't need anything, but um, I imagine, you know, Douglas Street might have been something like that as well. Barrick Street would have been like that. The North Main Street, obviously, and Shandon Street. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But it's just been that memory to me. I just vividly remember... It's just, it's brilliant to remember that. And it's right. lovely listen to your show. Thanks so that. much. Thanks, Marie. Yeah. Take care of okay. yourself. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. I was talking earlier on of uh, the blackberry sandwich. So this would be the blackberries with uh, you need decent bread, the blackberries, the basil, and the, the cheese. And you make the cheese toasty. Well, it's actually the blackberry and cheese toasty. Butter the outside of the bread as well. Butter the outside of the bread and then get it into the George Foreman or the sandwich maker press, whatever it is you use. But buttering the outside of the bread, I forgot to mention that. Okay, back to the phone lines. Colm, good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning, um, In my conversation with John Morgan earlier, he mentioned the Roman house. Yes, that's my, that would be my cousin's um, shop. He owned that. Mr. Feheli, was it? Yeah, Mr. Feheli. His father owned it first. Then he took it over in the late uh, or late 50s and then his daughter uh, took over in 2010 and didn't it close there recently about about five six years ago gotcha gotcha and the um, roman house was uh north main street just a catholic um wasn't the North Main Street, or it wasn't? It was off the North Main Street, was it? No, it was just by the side gate by St. Francis Church. Yeah, it's like across the road, the road from the courthouse. No, no, that, that's a different one now. That's the... Um, that's why I'm confused. Uh, as a side entrance next to... Um, there's a, another shop up the road, but there's a men's clothes. Uh, right next to it. Okay. It says here that the, but is it a pet shop now or I'm just trying to follow your text? No, no, no. It, the Roman house is closed now, yeah. but it wasn't just a Catholic one, a Catholic stuff. There was a jeweler in there. There was uh, postcards and birthday cards and upstairs was actually a photo developing Area. Okay, but I'm just trying to follow your text. It says the owner of the pet shop. Uh, oh, you were talking about the with the monkey. Yeah. The owner of the oh, the owner of the pet shop across the road that had been just before the tool shop. Yeah. Uh, it was his father who owned that re um, prior to him, and he had the monkeys. Then the monkeys went. Then in 2010, he had a snake inside there. That actually got uh, that released. It got loose. Got out of its cage. 
So where did it go for a, a snake walk or a shuffle up North Main Street? Yeah, it went down to North Main Street and it was actually a guard who actually got her bat- baton and actually was able to scoop it around the baton <laughs> and able to get it into um, a box. <laughs> was there pandemonium on the street when the snake was loose? Well, I was only reading reading it off the paper at the time because it was on the Echo at the time. <laughs> when, when did that happen? It was in 2010. <laughs> I think I remember that. Snake. And also, you were talking about North Main Street. Um, as you're coming up North Main Street, by the old, there's a fish shop there now. But just above that, next to the pub, there was actually a bread maker. Uh, the O'Kreese bread make inside there. How do you know all of these things? Are you from that area? Yeah, I'm from that area. That caught on fire in 2012. Sorry, 2008. And uh, that's why they had to close down. But across the way, there was two Nolan shops. One was a butcher who's there over the odd years. His father had it. But the one next to it was a newspaper agency and his father's and father is passed down to three generations and then it was left with John John Nolan who sold the shop Mm. because he had no siblings Mm. to pass it on and then he had to sell that in 2016 and it's now just the normal... um, Apartment, I think it's apartments. And were you born? Were you born in the area? Yeah, I was born and raised in the area. Were you born and raised on, raised on the North Main Street? No, um, I'm living off Grand Border. So the North Main Street would have been where you would have gone with your family and your mam and done all of your shopping and yeah, grew up and as a kid. Um, yeah. What do you make of it now? Does it sadden you now? Being honest with you, the place is like a deserted a deserted town and Normain it's like someone put a bomb inside the two places and it's that deserted it's many Centra is it keeping Centra and the three chemists are keeping the on uh, life support street, on life support the Shannon Street going yeah and it's Normain is the gate cinema a supermax and there's one Bank, I think it's a problem to be, sorry. Oh, no, there, I mean, there are other businesses there, don't get me wrong, but it's a shadow of its former self, that's for sure. Yeah. Sure, didn't, there was um, a furniture shop in, in Shandon Street mm. that caught fire. That's right, yeah, that's right. All right, listen, we covered a lot of ground, in fairness, you know your stuff. Thanks, Colm. Let me talk to Ken, if you don't mind, actually. Just back to Burgerland, right? I think he went for a route around the house. Ken? Hello, Neil. What, what, How are you? I'm looking at glasses here in front of me. One of them is of uh, Goofy and the other is Mickey Mouse. Explain. That's right. Yeah, I got those in Bogland for the late 70s or very early 80s. I still have them. They're damn Obviously. fine glasses. Where'd you, where did you ferret those out of? I got them out of a press there. I heard you on about Bogland and I said, I know I have them somewhere. I knew. I have another two somewhere else, but I can't find them at the moment. So you have four original Burgerland glasses that you collected when you bought what? Burger and chips. <laughs> and every time you got one of the glasses. Yeah, yeah. So there was I a full you to, entire... I you had to pay 30 cents or something, 30p for them or something, but 
If we got a big meal, we got them for free. My God, I'm actually blown away that you still have them and they didn't get yeah, smashed yeah, or cracked. Yeah. yeah, no, I have them all right. I've never threw somewhere else. I just can't put my hand on at the moment. What I was thinking was <laughs> put them up wherever and auction them off and get some money for charity. Well, do you think we get much money for four Disney-themed glasses from Burgerland? We might. Well, they're original. <laughs> what are the other two? So hang on, let's have a go at that. I, so we have I, I have I have Daffy Duck and I can't remember the other one. They're uh, Pepsi sponsored. You'll have to Disney. find that other one. So we do know that it's Goofy, Mickey, Daffy Duck, and another one. Another one. I don't know what the other one is, Neil. Sorry. Well, when find, when will you know? Like when, when do you think you'll know? I have no idea, sir. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, you get searching for the fourth one, because we know there's Goofy, we know there's Mickey, we know there's Daffy Duck. Who would the other one be? Yeah, Possibly I Minnie Mouse, maybe. It could be, I don't know. It might be another one of Mickey or Goofy, I don't know. I honestly don't remember. Okay, well, you, f- you find out and I'll see what kind of money I can make out of them, if anything at all. What would somebody pay? Hang on, let's find out. What would you pay for four Disney glasses from Burgerland from the back end of the 1970s? Let's find out, shall we? I want at least 100 grand. <laughs> Dream on, baby. They'd need to be in a box for that. Go on, find the other one and come back to me. Find the fourth, the missing glass. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, I just finished on a call in a few texts, but we were text we were on hold this morning for uh, one of the um uh, COVID uh, cert helplines, the 1-800 numbers. I was just curious as to how long one would be on hold, so I dialed it at half past eight this morning. The query that we had actually was, how long would you be waiting to get an amended COVID cert if your name was spelt wrong? I was curious because ultimately I'm going to need to get my one changed, surname, Christian name, both spelled wrong. And the phone, actually, let, let's do this right first. Hold on a second, because if you've gone through the process, you'll know this. Brenda and Seamus will have to go into a quiet little room for a nap now to get that out of their head. We were on hold for one hour and 44 minutes and the call was answered. After one hour and 44 minutes now, not blaming those on the call lines, on the at the call centres or answering the phone. They're going from call to call to call. I'm not here to judge them. So an hour and 44 minutes. And with regards to the question then, uh, how long would it take to amend and be emailed a cert with the wrong name. They said between 48 hours and five working days. So if nothing else, we've managed to answer that question for you. Took an hour and 44 minutes on hold, mind you. Never want to hear that helpline music again. Right, before I leave you, just back to the monkey um, from the North Main Street. And thanks to everybody that's been sending photographs. I think the monkey on the North Main Street is very different to the other monkeys that were on Patrick Street that you stood for your photograph with. Would you agree with me on that, Frank? We're talking different monkeys there straight away. Oh, yeah, with the monkey Norman Street in the window. He's getting off and doing off from the lads on the night coming from the nightclub, you know. They'd be knocking at the glass to him. And, and that was the cruel. That was cruel. He was driven uh, berserk from it. Well, fellas, he asked, asked me a couple of weeks ago that I wonder, guys, guys on the local pub, he said, the, the monkey Norman Street, what was his, what was his son name? <laughs> That was the trivia question in the pub, was it? Yeah, yeah. I said, what do you mean his son, yeah? Well, I said, oh, geez, I never heard of a monkey with a son. Oh, yeah. He was the monkey Flaherty. 
Because the clarity is under the pet shop, so that was a song name. <laughs> he wasn't called, and, I nearly called him Bozo, but Bozo would have been a clown. They would, we would have called him Cheater or something, no? The monkey flowery with the, the lads. Talk about cock and all the old ways, you know, a lot of the cock terminology has gone, you know, the old slang. I was in a bar there a few years ago. And this, this yeah, what, I'd say it was a few years ago since you were in the bars, right? And she says, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm going to go today, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Will you get in? Are you going for a pint? I meet you the other one for a pint. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, she came in and she told me, come here, you, you lat chico. <laughs> <laughs> Where did we come up with him? <laughs> You're, like, You're a what? Oh no, right in midstream. I haven't been in trouble with the phone lines this morning. Whatever he was going to say shall remain a mystery. Oh listen, we found, Ken just found the other glass, right? It's Shirley Shake. Forgive me, who in the name of God is Shirley Shake? Shirley Shake is not a Disney character. Is, is Shirley Shake just kind of some cartoon character of a milkshake or what? Let me find out. Have you got it? Ken? Sorry, it's Frank. He's uh, that's on too. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, yeah. yeah Frank. Sorry. Um, what were you going to say there just before I cut you off? You had another term of abuse. Oh, lapsico. No, the other and, one. Uh, lapsipa. <laughs> <laughs> touch of the lapsipa. Don't mind me if you touch of the lapsipa. And the other one, my mother said, like, don't mind him. He wouldn't be taken in the high go sites. I think we're winning at army or something in the Indian army, you know, <laughs> or something like the black and tans. He wouldn't be no, taken in the what? The high guy shites. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a Shiite thing, you know, but they, they, they said the shites, like the high guy shites. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the old what, the one, then all the women, the women coming down there, coming down Shannon, saying, my mom said, when that and everything happened there, the prize out in the Congo, so what happened to them? They were hung up by the balloobas. And the one said, that must have been very sore. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I heard a girl talking about the pond this morning, the yellow and black food. The you know, sunbeam pond, yeah. Yeah, but you know, out where the commons is not a they used to be the pond, couple just go to a court, you know. Very and, romantic. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> she had a few cigarettes, you know, like a major or something. But uh, <laughs> what happened then? They, they, built, they built all these um, industrial centers and the commons there and all this, and it was the pond no more. So what happened then? There was no pond there, but where the water was pond in the winter. And so what happened then? They read made a channel going into Blackpool, and that's how we got all the floods in. Okay, that's yeah, Paul Reddy. But why did they call it the Commons Road? What was? Why was it called Commons? I don't know. Really. I might think this outside it, but out here we had a fellow who built a bog outside there and, uh, by the dump, and he was swimming uh, in the nude. That's still waterlogs, you know. Yeah, well, well, what's what? The one out in the, by the dump? Yeah, the old area. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I yeah, cannot yeah, I understand where he used to go swimming because it's still waterlogs when it rains heavy. Oh, sure. The same thing now they built on the floodplain outside there in, um, outside in the, the Trumal Valley. And that's why Douglas get the floods as well, you know. Happy days with the terms of abuse from the women on their men. Thanks for that, Frank. Mind yourself, kid. Cheers for now. Ken's back, actually, as I said. He's on six. He found the last glass. Ken. Yes, sir. Oh, okay, I've got about I've got about forty seconds. So we have Goofy, Mickey, Daffy Duck, and you found the fourth one. I did. Shirley Shake Burgerland Collector Series, but it's not Disney. Oh, it's a rogue glass that isn't part of the Disney series, but it's a fourth Burgerland glass. 
It is Boggland written on it. Yeah. I believe I be I believe you get somebody to take it off your hands for free, or at a push you might get a tenner for the four of them. <laughs> I'll drop note G see what you want to do with them. Okay? Is that fair enough? That's fair enough. Don't smash them on the way. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Dave. Right, Cheers, man. Ken. How much would you pay, guys? Text 0868-104-106 for a set of four Burgerland glasses. Back in the day. I love you and leave you with that thought. Text 0868-104-106. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.